orders up. Enjoy! Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Orders Up with the host Jonathan Arillo and Malcolm Peak. Guys, welcome. We have a special episode today. We're going to go a lot into the fallout of all the big movements that have been happening lately with Black Lives Matter and the fallout from the death of George Floyd. And we have some special guests for you today. Yeah. So I'm going to go bring them in now uh, for that they can introduce themselves and, you know, here to talk. So, hey, guys, welcome to our podcast. Can you guys introduce yourselves to our audience? Hello, everyone. My name is Kamala. It's nice to meet you. Honored to be here today. Hi, everybody. My name is Durali. I'm very pleased to be discussing with you guys today. Hey, this is Faith. Nice to be here. Ready to talk this thing out. All right. So as you got, we were talking, me and John were just saying that um, in the last few weeks, we've seen the fallout from the death of George Floyd and all the protests that have been going on around the country really starting to kick up in the last week and a half. So what is you guys' reactions to what's been happening lately? And what do you guys think going forward? Like, what, what can what can we do to, before we start, what do you guys, what's your reaction to what's happening lately with all the protests around the country? Honestly, it's one of those things that it's it's the, what did you expect? That's my reaction. It's a, uh, this is like, they, people think that George Floyd is the sole reason. No, this is the tipping point. Throughout many years, we've had to deal with so many of unanswered justice when it comes to the systematic racism that we faced in our country. That's uh, at this point, enough is enough. And it happened that his death also happened where we had time today. We had lots of time. We're in a quarantine. All we have time to do is research, gather, get our resources together. We don't have to go to work. We don't have to, or if we do have to go to work, we have time like right afterwards. We don't, restaurants and stuff are just not opening back up. We don't have nowhere to go, nothing to do. We have time today to show you that we're not here for this. Like, what else did you expect to happen? I'm here for it. I've been here for it. I've been waiting for this moment. You do not understand. I have been thinking about this since I really dove in and started learning about racism in America. And I was just like, why is this still continuing to happen? Why, like, let's get mad. Like, there are people's parents, kids being killed on the streets for no reason. And I was just like, let's get mad. Like, I've been waiting for us to get mad. And finally, everybody's cut up with my level of just upsetment. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, let's do it. I'm here for it. Burn it down. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I was like, I think they've been mad. But I said, now they have time. Like, so we have time to just be like, you know, what? we can go. We can, we're going out here now. Let's, let's do it. Exactly. I mean, basically, the whole institutionalized racism of the police force has just been like, somebody poking a bear and and now you know the bear has come out to play we're not we're not playing anymore like it's it's time and i'm here for it the biggest cheerleader got my pom-poms here i'm I'm ready for whatever so and i like i like what you said kamala you were saying how that is that it's not just george floyd is just like everything didn't just fall apart because george floyd this is not and and although we are talking about a police issue that's been going on for a long time. They're also, it's just about all racism in general because this is this is compounded with Ahmaud Arbery's murder mm-hmm. and George Floyd. And we see Breonna a lot of Taylor. Yeah. Martin, people as well. That it's not just police. It's just that the way that, that these things escalate 
because of the color of your skin has been going on for a long time. And, and people that, that put themselves in positions where they're just wanting to be vigilantes, trying to um, protect their neighborhood and stuff like that and allow them to kill people and get away with it, that has also been a contributing factor to what's been happening as well. Exactly. And as we were talking about, they, we gave them time. They were, we kneeled about it. They didn't do anything. We peacefully protested on the side with the little signs. They didn't do anything about it. We wrote to our constituents. They didn't do anything about it. So now, you know what? Let's flip some cars. Yeah. Okay, exactly. So, so it, we have seen people talk about things like, so that's why one thing I want to bring up. I want to talk about the protests, how we went from peaceful protests where people have been saying things for years, like Colin Kaepernick's kneeling, mm-hmm. up until the point where people are now rioting. So a lot of people are talking about how the riots have, um, are hurting the cause and things like that. What is your react? What are you guys' reactions? to the thought that the riots hurt the cause. But also, I want you to talk a little bit about how the protests went on deaf ears for many years as well, too. The peaceful protests. Well, well I think on mine, what I've been just looking at is a lot of peaceful protests that have been instigated by the police. They're not doing anything but peacefully protesting. And you see, what do you, how do you feel when you see the people that are killing your brothers and sisters out on the street coming around you with AK-47s and pushing you and instigating you and then tear gassing you just because you accidentally bumped into one of them. What's that? What's going to happen then? You see the seven-year-old little girl in Seattle getting tear gas in her face. So what are we going to do then? I'm going to flip some shit over. I'm going to break some stuff. I'm angry. I've, I've been trying to silently just make you aware of my anger. And you're not doing anything. So now you're going to see it. it it's going to hurt your pockets. Because America doesn't do anything unless it hurts its pockets. Yeah. Unless so it, that's my thing. Which is true. Which is true. Because beforehand, everyone, like you said, we're peacefully protesting with Colin Kaepernick kneeling, with us riding, talking situations and all that I was saying earlier. They weren't doing anything because with a peaceful protest, you can ignore it. It doesn't inconvenience you. People always, are, they say they're down with peaceful protesting because it doesn't interfere with their lives. That's why they want it to be peaceful. But the purpose of a protest is it's supposed to make things uncomfortable. It's supposed to make things inconvenient because it needs to bring about the fact that there's something wrong and it needs to be fixed. And in regards to this, like she was, Darla was saying that people were peacefully protesting and still getting tear gassed and still getting um, maced and shoved and threatened with guns. Like the homeless man that got shot for just being there. He wasn't even in the, pro- like the protest. He just got shot for existing on the side of the street. Yeah. And just being peaceful, nothing gets done. So if we're going to get tear gassed and everything anyway, so why not? The result is still pretty much the same. Yeah. And like it's a I feel like it's a perfect time to protest because even though 2020 has been a crazy year and hopefully I'm saying this right that it's a good thing that there's no sports there's nothing to distract us from this mm-hmm. because usually with all the other events it'll last a couple weeks a month but then like all the shows they'll talk about hey the playoffs are coming up for either baseball basketball football other situations now there's no entertainment to hide behind. There's no, like, big openings happening or war shows where people, you know, can hide about, can hide these protests and these riots and things that are happening. So I feel like even though 2020 has been a crazy year, it's also, like, give us, like, this light where nothing can distract us from the main point, which is racism. Fatima? 
I mean, there there is one one thing I wanted to bring up as far as like comparing comparing the protest protesting that some white people are doing like you remember the protests they were doing with their like AK-47s and their guns where they were mad about oh not being able to go into you know go out and not being able to wear masks wherever they go or whatever and nobody said anything about them having that so why be mad when we're out rioting trying to have our voices heard like I don't I don't understand how one is accepted and the other isn't. So that, that kind of just blows my well, mind. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say that one was accepted, one isn't, because people did criticize that one. But did those ones result in violence and rubber bullets and things like that? Not in numbers like we see now, right? Yes, the I'm reactions. Right. Yeah. There's a difference between the two. And those ones, a lot of times you see pictures with people with weapons and stuff like that, like the one that happened in, in Long Island, New York. Where people mm-hmm. were outside protesting, saying that we want a right to work, we're sick of being locked down in quarantine, and mm-hmm. uh, we got to reopen the government. But those ones didn't escalate to the point of violence. And that's one thing you see a lot of times when you're talking about um, issues with people of color talking to police officers and riot and, and um, protesting outside is that the, I feel like a lot of times you see that when, when a black man raises his voice, that escalation, that, that fight or flight moment happens where the escalation goes quickly, where people will just resort to violence or um, putting you putting you in cuffs and things like that. It, it gets more violent quicker. Yeah. Which yeah. is true. And people yeah. always say, well, maybe if somebody, I've seen people say, well, maybe if they protested with arms, they would be, they would meet the same resistance that the white, white people did with uh, guns. No, that is not how that would, that would that's not how that would go. Um, you already know that if they even saw a flash of a weapon, it would have been over. Of course. That is it. Yeah, because in the mind of America, a Black American doesn't have rights to bear arms. Only white Americans have rights to bear arms. The amendments were written for Black Americans. The amendments were written for white Americans by white Americans, which is what I've always said. Every single time that I have the racial um, conversation, I say, Black Americans did not get a true revolution. You guys did not get set free truthfully. Your revolution, your freedom was written by a white person. You mm-hmm. guys had a white savior that came in and told you, oh, well, you don't have to work with shackles anymore. You don't have to do this anymore. So you're going to be free. You, get, you guys can get married now between each other. Don't marry outside of your race. Marry within each other. You guys have, you guys can have your own schools. You guys can have your own shopping malls, but you guys can't come into our shopping malls. How is that a true revolution of the oppressed? Exactly. That's a different form of oppression. I, I, I always tell people about that. Like, for example, slavery ended in the United States in 1865, officially. But we, the civil rights movement still, the civil rights movement where you weren't even allowed to sit in a classroom across from your white counterparts, didn't happen until 1954 to 19, the 19, early 1960s. So that is a 90 year difference almost between you have, you don't have to work in my fields anymore to you can't, still can't sit in the same classroom as me or use the same water fountain as me. And now between, from now to, from 1965 to now, it still isn't as much time as it was between the right to be allowed to live in your own skin and sit in the same room as me. So, it's not like someone has a magic wand where like slavery's over, you're equal people now. So people like to point to things, events like 
um, Barack Obama becoming president, Martin Luther King, like it's like it's like it's such a straight line, and it's not necessarily so. Exactly, because oh. even with those elected, even with those elected leaders that we have, it starts back to the to the segregation eras. Because even though yes, they set us free and gave us civil rights, they didn't also give us the resources. If that makes sense, we yeah. look at communities how they're given the resources, how they, how their things are affected. Okay, yeah, you can guys get your own schools, but we're not giving the same resources that we give the predominantly white institutions. You get this instead, yes. and they expect us to have the same mediocre of success when we're giving less to work with. Yes, like for example, the the I went to the public schools. I've been I, the public schools in black neighborhoods and public schools in white neighborhoods have a totally different level of education. We can all agree on that, right? Yes. So, I grew up a lot in, in New York, and and I went to private school because my public school would have not given me the, an adequate education where I would have been able to do the things that I would want to do. So, like I was saying before, and and. I, when people say the term white privilege, a lot of white people misconstrue that, right? Where they say things like, I wasn't privileged, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of money, or you didn't experience slavery personally, right? Can you guys speak on that to the, where you said, can you guys speak on that concept where people say about white privilege and, and how a per, white person who didn't grow up rich is still in a better, a better position than a black person who grew up middle class as well? Yes, because even though you, you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and you know you grew up with less money um if we were to go out in the community your privilege would still be evident because of your whiteness say for example we're walking in a store between the two of us who do you think is going to get looked at more by the store owner or the shop owner mm-hmm. if we're in a car together and we get pulled over who do you think is going to get searched like you may not be rich, but your privilege and evidence in other ways by, yeah, you probably, if you were applying to a job based on your name, they'll look at your application versus a person who has like, a, like maybe a non-traditionally white styling name. Who do you think they're going to go with? Yeah, There's been studies and videos that have been shown that persons with white sounding, quote unquote white sounding and quote unquote black sounding names, the white names got more callbacks than the black sounding names. Even the black sounding names were more qualified. So yes, you were poor, but your privilege of your skin gave you probably more ways to get access, or you had the comfort of being able to walk down the street and not worrying, okay, if I'm going to the store to get Skittles, I know I'm going to go home. I'm, I know I'm going to make it home. You know, that kind of that kind of rhetoric, you know? You can wear a hoodie at nighttime and not feel like your life is going to end at any point during that walk home, then you have privilege. Yeah, I agree. That is, that is the problem. So, because if my brother, who is darker than me, and he is a tall, he was tall kid at 11 years old, and he couldn't even walk home from a park playing basketball without getting stopped by the police, and my mother and I having to go get him because he didn't have an ID, and the police made him sit on a curb like he was uh, any type of criminal, he was 11 years old, and just because he had a hoodie, he was tall, and he was darker than most, they stopped him. They couldn't tell my mother and I why they stopped him. Mm, very true. I um, you you, you and, and I, I like some things you guys said about the um the microaggressions where you, where you have to change your behavior to an extent to not be seen as a criminal or a, or seen as suspicious. We saw that that term suspicious be used a lot of time after we after um was it Michael Brown's death or, Tra- or Trayvon after Trayvon's death with the hoodies and things like that. So. 
I I'm cognizant of that too. Like a lot of times where I, where I'm where if I'm outside, I'm not gonna wear a hoodie because or or, I, or if I walk into a grocery store, I'm not gonna wear a hoodie. Or my parents always told me don't walk around with your hands in your pockets in a store, stuff like that because you have to do this do these things to avoid uh, uh, interaction with the police. I watched a um, TikTok today where uh, it was a, a white family, a woman, a, a, a white woman and, and her daughter, and it has like three million views. Most you know, it's the most um, nothing video, but it has three million views because of what's going on right now. What happens in the video is that there's a the white woman and her and her daughter. There's a police officer driving really slow in the right lane, and it's one of those lanes where you can go to the left lane and move over when the dotted line ends. <laughs> so she's like, she's daring. Her daughter dares her to go past the police officer. The police officer is going way below the speed limit. So the light. So the woman, when she gets to the dotted line, she goes past the police officer and goes in front of him, and then the police officer pulls her over, and they did it as a joke, because they're like, hey, we're not doing nothing wrong, you're going very slow, we're going past you, and the police officer pulled them over. Now, would a black person ever do that? That's what everybody's saying in the comment section, no, because you would never provoke a police officer to get in a con get in a situation where you get pulled over, because it's not something you would do, right? No, exactly. Well, oh, I wouldn't say, like, now, when like there's a police officer behind me, I do get nervous. I do get scared. I might haven't done nothing, don't have nothing in the car, but just like an anxiety that I get when I see a police officer. I like put both hands on the wheel, like go low, less than the speed limit. I turn my music off. It's just like until the police either I move lane and the police passes me or the police moves over and and passes me, then I'm like, okay, I'm good. But it's like you get this nervousness because now if I get pulled over. Are they going to arrest me? Are they going to shoot me? Like, you know, I'm Hispanic. You know, they can be like, okay, do you have a green card? Are you legal in the United States? And things of that that, that nature. And, and also with the African-American community, you know, it's scary because, like you said, with everything that's happening, like, what if I get pulled over? What's going to happen? And sometimes your nervousness makes you drive different, and that makes you look suspicious, and that may lead to an event where you get pulled over. And that happens a lot of times, too. Uh -huh. So, what um what are some things that you guys, if you guys have had it happen to you, I'm sure, what are some things your parents taught you in an interaction with a police officer that you feel like you had to learn in order to be able to get through it and be safe, quote be safe and everything else like that? Because I know, for example, me, my parents always taught me, you know, put your hand on the wheel on the dashboard, ask, tell the police officer before you go in your glove compartment to look for anything and things like that, so you don't end up in an interaction. Because we see people like Philando Castillo who got shot after he asked the police officer, I ha he said, I have a gun. He, and then he, he told the police officer, can I go get my license? He went to go get his license. The police officer, sorry, the police officer asked for his license. He went to reach for his license. The police officer thought he was reaching for something and then shot him to, and, and killed him in front of his, um, in front of his, his girlfriend's young child. Yeah. And like the same thing, like my parents always tell me when the police pull you over, expect authority because they do have weapons and just be respectful for nothing can happen to you. That nothing does happen to you. And you know, obviously you want to have respect in a situation with, with somebody that has authority over you, but should your respect or lack thereof result in your death? And that's one thing I think a lot of people are missing when people tell you that you should be respectful because I know a friend of me and Fatima's was talking about, you should be respectful when an interaction police officer. Yes, you should, but we're both two grown people, right? So when, I, I, and I totally understand that you should have respect for a police officer. That they're trying to do a job to protect the their job 
description is to protect and serve you, the community. But when that gets muddied up is when your lack of respect ends up in your, your untimely death. This is not the mafia, right? Your lack of respect should not end up in your death. Exactly. I don't know how many, I don't know how many videos I've seen of white individuals being pulled over and they're just, you know, mouthing off to the police or even just saying, I have rights, I have rights, this, that, and the third. If we had said anything of the sort, it would have been over. So that's a great point. That's a great point because a lot of videos you see online nowadays where people are telling you you're racist as a citizen they are your rights as a citizen but i would never dare say i'm not answering that Do, am i being detained am i being detained you know what's good because all, all those things have been used and you see all the videos we see people like eric Gardner, and people like that we don't have that option and that's one thing that people don't understand when people and people that don't want to understand that you see on your facebook feeds and stuff like that they don't want to understand that we don't have that right i cannot yell at a police officer Am I being detained? Am I being detained? That would not end up good for me. Right. And that's the problem. They expect Black Americans to be respectful to the police, but that doesn't apply to white Americans. Yeah, I see so a lot of how can you tell me you not your own race not being respectful of the police? Because they're not. We're not gonna sugarcoat it. White white Americans are way more prone to go head to head with a police officer. Oh yeah. But a police officer will hesitate 10 times before even pulling out their taser. They don't even go for their guns because the guns is, is supposed to be used as a last defense effort. They're not, there is many steps. I have, I have friends that are in the police force. There are many steps that they are supposed to be taking before the, the firearm even comes out of the holster. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you using the taser when, it, when it's a black American that you're stopping on the road? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that speaks to how the racism is ingrained in, in us as people, even amongst ourselves, but we'll get to that later. But mainly I'm saying that you see, you see a lot of times, like I, seen, I saw, saw an article in the same city during the protest, two black people, one white person arrested for mm-hmm. the same exact crime, mm-hmm. but the black person's fine was higher. The black person's fine was higher than everybody else's. The um the what the the two black people's fines were higher by like three hundred dollars, and the white person's fine was like one hundred dollars, something like that. Low fines for everybody, but still the black person's was higher. We've yeah. seen with, with, with the crack versus cocaine epidemic, where people that have nonviolent drug offenses that are black, they're more likely to stay in jail. Versus, I see a lot of my white friends they, they got arrested for marijuana, or something like that which is also funny to see them being so pro-police at this time. But when they got arrested in their teenage years, marijuana charges, they're released. They get a fine. One of my friends got arrested by the police and they end up getting driven home to, to, for their parents to deal with it because they, it was so insignificant. But a lot of black ones, they end up downtown with a record. So this, this disparity starts young and it continues and it continues and continues so we get to the point where eventually we see the divide between black americans and white americans and how they're treated and how we're treated yeah and that's how for example and when you look at it the police are also taught automatically to have suspicion of darker skinned people like there was um an officer on twitter um that had that quit the force and he posted um like an outline of some of the training that they get one of it was like ways to escalate situation with black people so, so they have reasonable cause to 
detain them. Because mm-hmm. like I said, it's the ingrained automatic suspicion of us. And a good example of that was when I picked up the rally, um, I got I was pulled over and he didn't ask me for my license or my registration first. None of that. The first thing he looked at me was he looked at my car. Because this is when I just got it. It's a nice car, like you know, pulled over. He just looks at it. The first thing he says is, Is this your car? That happened to me. Yes, mind you. Yeah, mind you, if you like I pay my car is I paid for my car right off. That's it's my titles in my name, license, all it all matches up. So the first thing we would ask for was my license and registration of my insurance. If you look at it, it everything's cleared up within the first 10 minutes. He didn't even ask, he just looked at me and goes, Is whose car is this? Is this your car? Just leaning into my space, being rude. And and as it like when he asked us, what are things we were taught? I wasn't being disrespectful. I even, you know, me and my friends go, oh, good evening, like, good afternoon. How are you? Like, you know, hands, like, you know, secure and looking towards him. Nothing disrespectful. I wasn't reaching for anything, but he didn't ask. He just assumed that the car wasn't mine. And same thing happened to me where I was pulled over. And, you know, usually, usually every time I pull over, they pull over, they say, um, do you know why I pulled you over or something like that? Because like, they want to know if you will admit that you were speeding or whatever it is, right? Uh-huh. But I was pulled over for no reason. And I, I literally no reason. And he pulled me over and said, you know, um, is this car yours? And, and you know, just escalate the situation. And I, I always, like you said, keep calm, be respectful, all the things your parents taught you because they want you to be safe. And we're not anti-police. My family's, I have family members that are, that are police officers, but why do these situations continue to happen? Because the people, we, we, we need to ask those questions. Is it because police officers that are in your community are not actively part of your community? Or what? What can we do to better help this issue? Yeah. Or bridge the divide? And I tell people, like, because I always hear that, well, they're not all cops. There are some good cops. And, you know, the usual. But I say until, because, like, you know, there's, got, there's cops that try to fight corruption from the inside. and But this is what happens. They get buried. I said, okay, well, then. But until the good permeates into the system where it's reflective of the system, then that that mistrust of law enforcement is always going to be there. Like you, I wish your guy that you were talking about just now that told about the practices and stuff like that, yes, we we obviously need people like that, whistleblowers and things like that. I wish he would have became a cop because maybe he would have been a good cop because if he had a moral compass to say, this is profiling, I don't like this, I don't want to be a part of this, maybe he could have been a good cop to help us break that well, no, he was that. a cop he quit oh that's what i'm saying yeah maybe yeah, he, would, yeah. he would have been able to help but um i agree with you but the thing people ignore when they say that the, there's good cops and stuff like that is the same thing I, i've seen on Facebook, especially you see it on facebook and something like that i know facebook is toxic but we see a lot of times people talking about people people on facebook saying things like about the rioters and saying how the rioters and and saying how the police of bad police officers don't reflect all police officers. Can you not apply that same logic and say that bad protesters that become rioters are not reflective of all rioters? Mm-hmm. Can they don't want to do that? Exactly because and and, and the, fit the narrative. Exactly, exactly. And the issue with that thinking is that the bad protesters still aren't killing anybody. The bad. <laughs> Police officers are murdering people. So we can't, even if one, one is too many, it happening over and 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 over again is more proof that there's a problem and that this, that's why the protests are good. People are sick of it. This one 
was the catalyst. This one knocked everything down because everybody has the video of this one where it, from beginning to end, is not right. Mm-hmm. With George Floyd's death, George Floyd's death, you see from beginning to end, and now people are trying to look at his past, like, oh, he had a criminal record, oh, he smoked weed. None of that had to do with how he got murdered that day. Yeah, because, uh, like, people are saying, like, yes, he, he's had a criminal past, but this lady was talking about his past, but she also said, there's still no way how to treat this man at that point. Yes, he's had a past, but you don't put your, your, uh, your knee on someone's neck for an arrest or anything like that detained. Like, that to us, that was like a modern day lynching, modern day. Like, you know, he's on the ground for eight minutes and 26 seconds, correct? Yeah. And like people just recording, he was, he was trying to speak, telling them he can't breathe. Like, you know, yes, people have a past, but that's not how you treat somebody just because of their past. And people are trying to bring that up now. And I, sorry, sorry. So I always say that that, that one and, and Eric Gardner, those two, mm-hmm. you see on debt, you see from beginning to end the whole entire conflict of their two videos. And it's just so egregious to see the way those two men die, where someone's holding them until the air comes out of it, comes out of their body and they can't breathe anymore, and they're deceased. It's disgusting. And to see, with um, with with him having his knee on his neck, but like you said, eight minutes and twenty six or twenty or thirty one seconds, that long, when they had the um fr- the funeral the other day, when they had the moment of silence for eight minutes and um thirty one seconds, you see how long that is. You feel how long that is. And imagine yourself, your, yourself in that situation where the air in your body is going out, you're screaming for your mother and, and everything like that, for your life. You're screaming for your life so you can survive in eight minutes and 31 seconds while you're dying. And for what? He was handcuffed and stuff like that. What, what was the reason to hold him like that? And that was the reason. That, that's why they tried to say that he resisted arrest before, but then the, the video surface of them pulling him out and bringing him to the cop car in handcuffs and he was just perfectly fine walking to the cop car no problem he didn't resist there was nothing going on with him he didn't try to run anywhere they pulled him they already had him in the cop car and they pulled him out of the cop car yep how is a man who's handcuffed and already in the back seat of your of your cop car how is he threatening you yep yeah and they say that people that are like are in the in the, the backseat of a cop car, there's no door handles. So it's not like he, he can open the door and get out. Like the only way you can open a cop car from the back is from the outside. There's no way you can open it from the inside. So are you saying he was a threat from inside the cop car where a place where he cannot get out of is it's just like I, I don't understand. And it, it kind of coincides when we were talking about how now they were trying to bring up his criminal past as a reason for the excessive force slash homicide. And I saw an instance on, like you said, our, t- our favorite toxic playground, Facebook, where there was a man arguing with a young lady about, like, you know, how criminals should, like, you know, you know, should, like, how you should respect cops and, like, you know, your criminal history plays into a factor of it. And you find out that the guy she's arguing with was a white, was a white male. And she looked him up because, you know, whenever you're charged with stuff, it comes, you can look it up on the internet, like what you're charged with. She looked the man up. He was a repeat offender for multiple things, multiple things. Mm-hmm. He even had a court date coming up. And she was like, yes, but you have the option of you keep getting released and coming back, released coming back. Black people don't get that option. We don't get to be repeat offenders all the time. Once we get locked up, we get locked up or we get death. 
okay? Yeah. Or we're treated, or like I said, like, like you're explaining about the bail hire, the, the consequences of our actions are more harsh yeah. versus white America. So when someone that's white is, a, is arrested or they commit a crime, they don't bring up their criminal history. It's, they bring up, they have their friends and their neighbors give interviews. Oh, well, you know, we, they had some troubles in the home, but, or they had these issues in the past, but they're still a good person. I can yeah. imagine, I, I didn't think they'd shoot up a church and get Burger King afterwards. Who would have thought? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, but yet those people that go out on those mass shootings that their color of the skin happen to be white are put into a bulletproof vest and walked very carefully to the car. Like you were saying, like people like, like you guys mentioned, like people like Dylan Roof, the one that shot up the um the church, and and um and oh and the, these mass shooters. That well, even when they when when they're we me and I, I talked to Kamala off air before about this, like how we're aged more than they are. So for example, when people like Dylan Roof shoot up a church and kill people, I'm not saying that the cops were malicious in that in in, in their um the way they arrested him or that they were even applauding what he was doing, but we still, they, they still saw him as a child and got him Burger King and, and, and didn't hurt him at all, even though he killed many people. But these cases where somebody has loose cigarettes or a bad check, those result in violence. That just leads, that, that just more, that's more evidence to the point that you're seeing as a threat. And it's true because you know you might even have it yourself towards other black people. You know, when you see a group of black guys or whatever, a lot of people see that as a threat. They'll lock their doors, they'll hype, they'll clutch their purse, whatever it is to protect themselves because they see it as a threat or they see it as a potential threat. Now, I want to get a little bit into you guys, um, past. Do you guys have, um, can you guys think of your first racial experience where you discovered that you were a minority? Where you discovered that, um, that the, that where you had your first incident where someone let you know that you were not white, essentially. Well, I think for me, it would be um, coming to the United States when I was 11. I went into sixth grade and I actually got bullied by a white passing Mexican. Mm-hmm. But in her mind, she did not speak a lick of Spanish because in her mind, she was white because she got all of this stuff. And I remember she made my life so like bad. I, I would get push off swings. I would, she would pull my hair. She made, she made my classroom segregate me. All the other desks would be pushed up and bunched up together. And my desk was next to the door by the trash can facing the wall. That's how she had manipulated the entire, my entire surrounding to make me feel that I was less than, just because I didn't speak the English language at that point, mm-hmm. because I had just come to the United States, and because she could do it and could get away with it. And I did not understand why she was, you know, so like against me, why she came up against me. And it wasn't until later on that I found, like, that I figured out, like, she's coming to terms, like, she's angry with who she is inside herself because she has to be portrayed this white person on the outside and she can never you know go to her roots to her mexican roots as to where i'm i'm very proud dominican 
And I came in there speaking Spanish, not a lick of English, and I just try to make friends with anybody and everybody. Yeah. And it's a thing of like, it's not only affect, racism is not only affecting the American community, but America has such an impact on the, on the racial stuff that it trickles down to anybody that's here. And people are not, people don't see that. But that was like my first thing that I was just like, wow, like, why did she hate me so much? And it wasn't until I looked around that I was in a classroom full of white kids and I was the only dark kid in there. And like you said, sometimes like you'll, you'll realize that years later, like you'll realize things like, like you, it probably didn't click at first, but like that class was just so mean. And then years later you find out like, oh, how come I was the only one that invited to that birthday party or whatever it may be, but very true. Um, I would have to say I didn't recognize it. My, I can't remember like my very first, first, but I remember like microaggressions, like growing up, being asked to touch my hair because it was different, or people saying they wish they could tan as dark as me, or being told that I was, I talked so proper, like I wasn't like everybody else, like you know, like the other people, that kind of stuff. But an uh, incident that will always come to my mind is when I was doing orientation for our college, George Southern and George Southern, first day at SOAR. Like, we haven't even registered for classes yet. Me and two of my friends, um, they're also Black as well. We were walking down the street, and some guys on a pickup truck drove by and shouted at us, go back home, N-words, with the E-R at the end. Wow. And I was shocked, because I had never been caught that to my face, you know, that I knew of. But these people didn't even know me, know anything about either of all of us, whatever. They just saw me. Then one tall, like, you know, one tall, um, darker guy. And then, like, another short. Like, we're all just together, just hanging out, laughing, and having a good time. And I'm the one with our little, like, gear and everything that we got from, like, the first night, of so or first night out. And mm -hmm. they just yelled that at us. And then throughout my college career there, there was instances of where it just, it just kept, like, stuff like that. Little pops of that just kept happening, like, on the whisper and yik yak yak where they were calling us monkeys and inward and saying that we were wild animals and that we should just go back to where we came from if we had an issue with what they were saying. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and those anonymous apps and stuff like that are definitely a breeding ground we see a lot for, for racism and things like that. But yeah, similar, I had a similar situation as well where someone one time, me and my friend who were Hispanic were at the cookout at Southern and it was late at night and somebody drives by and yells out, but this time they yelled at uh, a racial epithet at him, but it's happened, but that, that's just disgusting and it shouldn't happen and things like that. Why do you feel like the need that, why do you feel the need, why is race the thing that comes to your mind when you see somebody like that? Because you would never see, if you were a, an idiot, a drunk idiot yelling something out at the window and you saw a bunch of white people, would you, and you were talking to other white people, would you ever say, say something about their race? No. Oh, if you're even a black person, me, me and you were driving and we were being idiots and yelled out at somebody, we would never mention a white person's race. It would not no. be the first thing in my mind. No. Fatima, do you have something to share? So, I mean, oh, like as a kid, I never really came across anything that I could remember. Um, I mean, I, I've never not known that I was different or a minority or black my family's pretty pro-black all the time so i would always hear positive affirmations about us as a people growing up but believe probably my first time coming to georgia and going to decula high school and 
finally seeing Caucasian people more so than Black and Hispanic people was kind of, I guess, a culture shock for me and Mm -hmm. how weirdly they would look at me. I think that was the first time I ever felt different from my classmates. Yeah, uh, same, you know, uh, coming from from Jersey, like growing Mm -hmm. up, we were the majority being the, like, you know, Hispanic, African-Americans, I felt like the minority was white people because, you know, everyone around me, everyone, even even though I went to like a private school, everyone I saw was a color, you know? Even like I saw a post the other day on social media was like, name the first time you had uh, a minority or a black teacher, African-American teacher. And some people be like seventh grade, eighth grade. I grew up my pre-K, my pre-K, my kindergarten teacher, my first grade teacher, all of them was minority. I didn't have a white teacher until second and third grade. And then after that was another, you know, my black teacher, uh, a black teacher, and then Asian and and different races. And then like moving down here in the South, it was like a big culture shock when you see, you know, so many white people. And then like just experiences that you have, like they could be joking around, but hey, how much is a dollar in Mexico or, or some some sort of that, you know, inside joke right exactly um a lot lot of white people will say this term i know you've heard it before i don't see color speak to that have you ever heard that and why is it important to see color or if it's not important to see color to you why do you think that as well i feel like when i hear the term i don't see color you're erasing me and my identity and you're erasing my struggle and the things that come with it and you don't want to know because in your world you don't see color so i hear the oh well i love everyone equally matter of fact i have a black friend who does this and this and this and i don't notice this color when it's just me it's just me and my brothers we don't notice this kind of stuff and i'm like but you should because if a person tells me i don't see color like i said they're not seeing like i said when i say our struggles our face with the problems from our country they're the kind of people I wouldn't, they would, I wouldn't, they would scare me. I wouldn't want them around me because if something were to happen when all of us were together, they would probably agitate the situation and make it worse mm-hmm. because they, by them not seeing my color and them not knowing the struggles I go with, they wouldn't know how to navigate a situation with us. So for example, if we were all in a car together and we get pulled over, we all as a collective mind know, okay, look, we know what's about to go down. This is what we need to do. Blah, this, 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 and this. But if I'm with the, I don't see color person, they're going to be questioning the cops, having an attitude. She has her rights and this and this and this, and they're going to get me shot mm-hmm. because they don't see color. And to not see color is, like I said, is to not understand or, or empathizing with the property damage happening now. Like, oh, well, I don't know why they're getting so upset. Like, you know, people are losing their businesses and stuff. Yeah, but we're losing our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like so, just how we, we spoke before with, with Jane Elliott, she was like, hey, if people, how can people not see the color of someone's skin when the skin is the biggest or longest organ on mm-hmm. someone's body? You have mm-hmm. to see it. Mm-hmm. If you don't see it, you're, you, like you said, you are erasing someone's identity. Mm-hmm. It's not only that, they just use that term as in, I don't want to deal with this problem, so this phrase is going to make me not deal with this problem. Yeah, it's, it's basically saying I'm not problematic. Like They try, they're, they're trying to cover up their own problematic mindset of oh well, I don't see color so I can't possibly be racist or ignorant 
because I don't it's do cop It's basically a cop out. It's a fair, it's a, I feel like that's a fair criticism. And I don't, the, the I don't see color thing, a lot of times what I feel about that is that not seeing color is the goal. Like at the end goal, at the end, at the end of racism, which you, when is that? At the end of racism, <laughs> we, we do want to not see color anymore, right? Mm -hmm. But until that happens, choosing to ignore it is like we talk about all times, like ignorance is bliss. A lot of people that you know, they don't have to deal with the same issues that you have to deal with. So they, their ignorance is bliss. This does, this is like something that just bubbled up and came out of nowhere to them. Came out of nowhere to them, right? I've, I've seen a lot of people on the street. I work today, and somebody asked me, "How do you feel about everything that's going on today? What's going, what's going on right now?" And I'm like, you know what? I didn't wake up black today, so this is not something that nothing's changed for me in the last yeah, week. This is not new. This is this to us. We're just like, okay, this is. <laughs> it's not new to me at all. So when you um when when people say when people say um like, how's it how are you dealing with this? It's not that I'm dealing with this. I've been dealing with this for 26 years. I nothing's changed for me. So it's so the, the I don't see color thing is like you said, Fatima, it's a cop out because it's like a I'm not racist and you probably aren't, but choosing to ignore it and choosing to pretend like like um and choosing to pretend like I don't want to deal with the issue, so I'm going to pretend like I don't see color because there's no way. There's no way you did you you um. Of course, you may see me as your equal. That's fair. But to erase, like Kit Hamlin said as well, you're erasing personal identity, and you're not. You're choosing not to see their experience because we we in the end goal we want to be equals, but until that happens, choosing to ignore that. I go through different things than you do. When a cop is behind me and a cop is behind you, we have two different feelings in the back of our head. You're being ignorant and you're being and your ignorance is allowing you to cope with the situation because you don't have to deal with it. And, and that's contributing to the problem. Really? It is. And that's what I was saying the other day when someone was just like, Oh, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't, if I speak out, don't speak out, da 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 da. It's like, no, like you know, the 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 mentality is, oh, you know what, it's just too much. I I'm just gonna step away, and I was like, you know what? Like you were saying, you woke up black. I we've I've been black for 27 years. I can't just step away from my blackness. I can't just wake up and go, you know what? Let me unzip. Uh, let me unzip my black suit today. And just <laughs> do do do. Let's see what I'm gonna be today. I want, you to, I want you to um expand on that a little bit. So um, say oh. say for the podcast for a second, a little bit more about the damned if I do, damned if I don't thing. Okay. You talked a little bit earlier before we went on air. What is that that you're talking about? Okay, so I saw someone make a post there like, oh, this is how I feel. And it was like, damned if you did, damned if you do, damned if you don't. It was like a list of things, of things that they would hear or say, and the contradicting things he would say, people would say in response to it. So they were saying that if they were to say all lives matter, people would go, no, black lives matter. But if they say black lives matter, people would go, all lives matter. But if they say blue lives matter, people would go, oh, well, so you hate, so you're racist. But if they say I'm not blue as matter. Then oh, so you hate the cops? So or writing, writing, alluding is wrong. Oh, so you're you're answer like you you're a racist. Oh well, you know what? Or no, if they say light writing and looting is wrong, people go oh yes, yeah, so you understand that like you're against the protest. Oh, well, I'm for the rioting, looting. Oh, so you just hate America and the businesses. So she was like, well, I can't. Well, no matter what I say, there's always gonna be contradicting. So it just I'm just gonna just take a step back because this is too much. And I was like, no, you need to have a stand. You need to say something. Like have, like you were saying, have a spine because 
yeah, Black lives do matter. So you need to be shouting that. And as people say, all lives matter, you need to counteract that and have your standpoint, put your thing, put your line like in the sand, you know? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's what we spoke about. Like you said, uh, yeah. what I said to you privately was, hey, to say that, to say, damned if I do, damned if I don't. If I yeah. speak on it, then I'm going to um, alienate people. If I don't speak on it, I'm going to alienate people. If I speak on it in this way and say that the riots are bad, I'm going to alienate people. If I speak on it and say that the riots, uh, the protests are good, then then um, I'm alienating some people. To me, all that basically is, is, hey, someone please tell me the right answer. I don't uh-huh. Exactly. You don't have a backbone. You don't have any real opinions. You want to know what's the right answer. Everybody's gonna love me. Yeah. And, and you and, and like I've seen a lot this week. It's time to get two things. I, I've seen a lot this week. It's not enough to be racist. Be anti-racist. Be, it's not enough to be not racist. But you have to be anti-racist. And is is I'm sick of being. I'm sick of your having to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And we need yeah. to get people that have been used to this conversation being on the back burner uncomfortable. Yeah, and I'm saying, I'm not about to think about ways to make you comfortable about my existence. I'm tired of molding myself and changing myself, taking away from myself to add to your life and make you feel better about your 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 ignorance or you being oblivious to things. No, you're gonna wake up and you're gonna deal with this. I'm not I'm done, like we're not doing this anymore. So you need to wake up. And you, like you said, you need to get your own moral compass because people look to us to be the black Yoda of everything and teach them every single thing. There are resources out there. You need to educate yourself. Get on it. Get going. We can't just keep, I can't keep holding your hand and guide you through this. You need to figure it out. Because if I let you, if I let your hand go and you're going, ah, what do I do? What's right? What's wrong? You should know that as a person that it's right. People don't want equal treatment. Yeah, very true. And- I feel like if you're, if you're questioning if people getting gunned down on the streets when they have absolutely no no reason to get gunned down on the streets, there's a right or wrong to that, then you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Because there shouldn't be a question. Is There shouldn't be the question of, is this right, is this wrong? There should just be the statement, this is wrong, what can we do to stop it? And what? then going back to the whole, um, the I don't see color people, I just feel like to them I say, well, that's very nice of you. Now help us make everybody else not see color. And that is what you need to start doing. To anybody, that's what I'm going to start doing with anybody that tells me, well, I don't see color. Well, that's great. I'm so for it. Help me get everybody else on that same wagon with you. Yeah, but just like a couple of years ago, but I don't know if you guys remember, with, with Trevor Noah and Tommy Lauren, she was like, I don't see color. And he responded to her, what do you do at, the tra- at a traffic light? If you don't see color, how do you know? when to stop, when to go, when to slow down. So, I mean, that's a good point. It's like, you know, in a perfect world, no one would, would see color, technically. We're like, you know, but you have to acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge someone's color and you have to be like, okay, yes, you have to have the same rights as everyone else does. Like I've seen the post, I think it was from the boondocks, where it's like, we're not, we're not, like, you know, Black Lives Matter, but we want you to help us. We're not saying it's more important than than this or more important than that. We just want to make a fact that Black lives do matter. Yeah. And I feel like to the people with the All Lives Matters movement, it's not All Lives Matter into Black Lives Matters. Okay. So you cannot say the statement, All Lives Matter, it's not true until Black Lives Matter. And in our country, we're seeing that to the police, 
to a lot of people, to our whole justice system, black lives do not matter. All right. So help us get black lives to matter so then we can all get behind the hashtag of all lives matters. Yeah, I want, I want to speak on all lives matter too. And then uh, also, sorry, we do have another guest joining our podcast, which is Daniel. Um, so he'll be joining us very shortly um, here on the Zoom call. And then also he can join in and join in the conversation. Perfect. Perfect. Do you know? Uh, he's coming in soon. But we can keep talking. And then once, once he joins, we uh, can continue the topic. In the meantime, um, let's speak on All Lives Matter. What do you say to people that do say, I agree with you saying Black Lives Matter, but, but All Lives Matter? What do you, what do you, what is your thoughts on when people say that to you? Um, I think I... Before we get to that, real quick. All right, Daniel, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. Good to be here. Good. Well, we were, I, I was just asking a question. I just posed a question to everybody. And um, I'll have you speak on it in a second. Right, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be speaking on it first. What okay. are you, you were just talking about the rally just brought up All Lives Matter and people saying that. What do you feel about when people do say, all Black Lives Matter, I understand that, but all lives matter. I mean, my personal issue on it, I'm, to be honest with you, yes, I mean, yes, of course, all lives do matter. I mean, I do agree with that. But however, for years in this country, us, you know, as minorities, the majority of us being African-American, we've, all, we've always been dealt with a certain stigma. We, we've been seen as a threat to society. And it's definitely unfair. And anytime a cop will pull us over, they're always quick to want to target us and get at us, you know, especially because of the fact that they assume we're, we're up to no good because of the color of our skin. But I feel like all lives don't matter until black lives matter. I mean, that's just the point I've always been trying to make. Anybody want to add? Yeah, we, we, he, and he is perfect. Black lives, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. And on top of that, through growing up, I've always heard that Black people, like, you know, our lives, they mean something. We are something. And we might have not already said Black Lives Matter specifically, but I've heard that Black lives are important because we're, treat, we're treated as expendable objects. But I've never heard All Lives Matter until Black Lives Matter became a thing. Exactly. And that is what, that's the main thing I, I say is that All Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter and Green Lives Matters and Turquoise Lives Matter are all... <laughs> a direct response to people saying black lives matter it's Absolutely. just I, I so when i hear all lives matter i do want to say of course all lives matter but i'm not gonna take it as a literal sense because that's not what it is it's, it's right. basically you shut up because when no one said all lives matter until people said black lives matter people only say all lives matter to tell you to shut up or blue it's lives yeah. tell you to shut up because how can you go and, and 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 of course blue lives matter we we like police we want police to help our neighborhoods and protect our neighborhoods like i said we're not anti-police but when you say blue lives matter when black people aren't killing police officers it's just a, a rational argument on average obviously somebody's gonna be like oh well you at minute 45 you said black people don't kill police officers but police officers have been killed by black people that a lot of times i'm not saying that what i'm saying is the constant Black people with knees on the back of their neck and illegal choke calls and um, dying in a prison cell under um, strange circumstances is exorbitant and it doesn't make sense. And the behavior of you see at the police officers a lot of time lately have been abhorrent. So to say that um, 
Blue Lives Matter, all you're doing is trying to tell people, shut up. Yeah. You don't care what you have to say. Everybody, everybody matters. It's a, it's a rainbow world. It's Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. <laughs> and, and I always, and I always say that when it comes to Blue Lives Matter, and it's always been a thing. And I know I've sometimes I've, I've got people that have been really upset when I say this, so I'm sorry. But blue is not a race. Or that's Thank you. Definitely not. Thank you, you choose. You. you can choose your career. Mm-hmm. And we do, and and you know, thank you for the ones that that go out there and protect the service that they're supposed to. Yes, but you choose that. Mm-hmm. I don't choose to be like this, or the treatment that comes with it. Yeah, I always say that being black in America or everywhere really is like playing the video game on hard mode when you're never played it before. Yeah, right. It's difficult. You have to, um, you have to work hard, and you and I know for me. You guys can say, I'm not going to say for everybody else. I feel like a lot of times I have to set a good example for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like the first time you go to a school and nobody else black is there, you have to be good for every black boy that might come after you. Yeah. You have to, if you go into a job interview, a lot of times you see that with people with their career, they'll say, hey, I have to represent my university. Mm-hmm. That's not as much of a burden as having to represent your whole entire race. If you mess it up for one black person, everybody, they're never going to let black people hear again. You hear that way growing up. You hear that kind of yeah. stuff growing up. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, we're giving. Like I said, like that's part of when I was saying earlier. We have to, we have to do more to be so we won't be seen as less. Yeah. Like when you're not, like when you're not like a minority in America, you get praised for mediocrity at times. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. We we don't have the option to be mediocre. And how you know how you guys talk about how you used to wear like you like you don't wear hoodies and stuff. We think about when you go out. I still remember growing up, like my dad would look at my nails and stuff. Like, why is this chip? You can't go out there like looking a mess. Like we're going out. And just to go to Walmart, even just this, why I, I sometimes I like I get anxiety thinking about okay, I can't wear this and this and this because they're looking like oh like look at that little that little bum looking looking black girl. She can't like you know we can't look. We have to present ourselves all the time. It's yeah. always a front of how we look when we go out. Because yeah. because if not they loop us together like okay this is this is this or this is ghetto this is right all this kind of stuff. But you see a girl with the onesie and the. Elmo slippers going to Walmart and you don't say nothing about her because she's white <laughs> and that's our problem like I have to dress like I'm going to a job interview when I'm going to Walmart but you don't <laughs> and that reminds me of a, of a of a study like for example there was a, vi- a bunch of there's a bunch of videos this video I love slash hate it makes me almost want to cry is mm-hmm. that there's a video where these um these young children have a doll it's very mm-hmm. simple yep I'm the video you were talking about that with Jane Elliott, that she does very different studies like this, where they'll have the little girls pick up a doll and they say they have a doll that's a black doll and a white doll. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, which one is the bad doll? Prompted question, which one's the bad doll? There's no, what, what is bad between uh, two, two baby dolls? And even the black children will pick up the white doll, say this is the good doll, pick up the black mm-hmm. doll, say, this is the bad doll. And then they'll say that the question, the person that asked the question will say, which one looks like you? And they'll point at the black doll and say me. But they also just 10 seconds ago said this was the bad doll. Okay. So what do you make that feel? I see I saw it just now on, on, on Google. Somebody had a, a tweet on Google. I was like, sorry, someone had a tweet of them searching on Google and it said um, professional haircuts and it had white boys with um, a haircut and it mm-hmm. said professional haircut and it had people that had black people with afros or even like a um a fade 
that, not not a fade, but like a um, the seven friends with dreads, like yeah. a high top fade or something like that. High top fade, yes. Some yeah. like like your hair is right now, actually. Okay. <laughs> it's more, it's more, more hair. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I saw so, yeah, and I saw someone with like dreads, but tied up and a knot at the top. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the unprofessional. All you said was unprofessional into Google, and right. you get connotations of black. But when you say good, you get connotations of white people. What is the, what do you guys think? Is that does that show you how ingrained we are that we have to have European type features? A lot of black girls grew up in this era before it's changed now, where a lot of black mm-hmm. people have their natural hair. A lot of black women in in um in when we were kids had to have straight hair, get a wig, yeah. so that you can appear yeah. to the to the European standard of beauty or the white standard of beauty. Started with slavery. I mean, when when they separated us by how dark we were, some of us worked in the field, other ones got to be near Massa in the house, and those were the light skinned ones. And but they didn't get it. I'm sorry to interject, but they didn't get any better treatment either. Um, no, of course. The brown paper bag test, the light skinned ones, they got even more abused, especially them being in the house and the master taking advantage of them and things like that. I mean, yes, I, I agree with that. I'm just saying that it's it starts there. I mean, for the the darker ones that were outside, we didn't know that. We didn't know that they were being treated worse, possibly. We just knew that we weren't good enough to get inside. We're out and here. Before, and although they were being treated worse with, like, sexually abused and stuff like that, mm-hmm. from a work standpoint, it's like they're inside. They're getting, they're, they're seen as more beautiful than you because I want this one in the house. Things like that. So I'm not, I'm yeah. not, gonna, I'm not about to weigh sins. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So, but like, I do see like as far as the hair, like, because you see, I'm natural now. Mm-hmm. But growing up, I was not because I was looked at as even like it's it's a self hate thing that growing up is like a oh that hair is nappy. We we gotta get that hair done. I was taken to the salon faithfully to get my hair perm. I was getting and I like my braids and protective styles now. But growing up, it was like okay, if I don't have my hair perm, I gotta have my braids in or something like that. Like consistently, because if not natural hair was seen as nappy hair. It was not seen as good. You, we didn't get to embrace it or it wasn't good hair. But now people look at my hair and go, oh my God, you have such good hair. It's so curly. I love it. But when I was young, it was, oh no, that's nappy. We got to gotta get that done. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with this? I didn't officially go natural until I was 17 years old. Yeah. And, and that's, that's not our fees of creamy crack. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say something as well, Malcolm, going back to like the video you talked about where they had to pick dolls. I, recently on Twitter, I saw a video they did that with Latino kids, with Hispanic kids, where they would ask them, they had a white doll and a black doll, and they would ask them, which one is the bad doll? Which one's the, the dirtier doll? And they would always pick the black one, which was like heartbreaking, because you know, mm. it's it's something that's, you know, maybe put on our minds, because I saw, I think it was Ashton Kutcher or someone did a video where like, kids are not born racist. They're taught this from that's their parents, true. where, that's true. you know, the experiment is something that we have to start if we have kids putting in their heads. We're mm-hmm. like, hey, we can be, when people say we can be the change, I think this is what they're talking about, where we can make a big shift in the dynamic of how we view people in the aspect of, okay, you know, some of us or some people in our community have seen, oh, look the other way for this people, but it could be something that we, that was, implemented in our mind because of past experiences that our parents had or things of that nature growing up they might have experienced something and they want a better life for us that we don't have 
as an example and they try to teach us, but it could be something bad that they're teaching us because kids don't know better because when kids are in kindergarten or in preschool, they that's just their friend. They do not see, oh, I'm not going to interact with him because of a different color of their skin. It could be that their parents tell them, hey, don't interact with that person no more because they're black. But a kid doesn't understand that because it's just another friend that you get to play with and spend time with at school or at the right. park or in other locations. Like you said, yeah, going off on that, it's the whole mentality. Like Dominicans have this saying, better the race. You got to better the race. Marry light so you can better the race. Mm. And I didn't understand that at first, that that was, ra that was race racial in like in this aspect i was like what does that mean like when, when yeah. that started that started being said to me when i was so young i couldn't have been more than five years old when i heard that oh when you get married make sure you marry light so you can better the race and i was like wait what's wrong with our race now and nobody can answer you that question what's wrong with our race what's wrong with our dark dominicans what what's wrong with them being dark and nobody can answer that question for you but it's because we've have mentally beat it into, and I have, I have known people that are married that solemnly married just to better their race. Yeah, and like like I said, like we see here, I'm Dominican as well, and Dominicans have like five different tones. If you look at a country, I'm you can consider as a white Dominican because of the color of my skin. And people are, there are darker level Dominicans in my country. So like, but in our backgrounds, my grand, my grandmother, she's, her, her skin tone is darker than my grandfather was. So like to deny our past, it's inedible because we have to represent our past. Yeah. yeah like a lot of Dominicans that are just not informed. I, I try to tell people, I, I identify as an Afro-Latina because when I am able to trace out my roots, even three grandmas back, she was dark. She had a lot of um, things that were brought from Africa with her. The seasonings that we use, the spices that we use were from them. And like that, that black peas and rice, we make black peas and rice in the Dominican Republic. And where does that come from? That does not come from the Europeans. Mm -hmm. So a lot of Dominicans are like, oh, well, I'm not black. Yes, you are. You and are I think black. It's, yeah. And this is your issue too. And that's what I'm trying to get my people to understand. This is our issue. We have to get behind this. We have to get behind this movement because even though they're not targeting Latin people right now, we are part of this group. And you guys are not understanding this. We are part of the black community and it doesn't matter that, that you don't feel like it, you still are. Cause when, when white, when white Caucasian people look at us, they don't see a white Caucasian people. <laughs> they don't see, they don't see me. I remember I went on a date with a white guy to, in one of the most liberal states in California. And we went on a date and we were being seated and two white old white ladies we're seated like two tables away from us and they're like, oh my God, they're going to let people like her here. Why are they two together? In this day and age, that's, that's two years ago. This happened to me. And I heard that. I heard them say that. I was like, wait, what? 
And I was just like, oh my God, they're talking about me. I was the only other person sitting in their section. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and then they continue to say, oh, how could he date somebody like her? Does, does he not know a nice white girl to date? Like Both a, a, were the words that came out of her mouth. That's insane. So you were part of a what would you do episode? <laughs> yeah, what would you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That moment, I literally had to, and I understood why, like, why privilege became so apparent to me at that moment. Because I looked at this guy and I was like, hey, can we leave? I'm not comfortable here. I don't want to be where people don't want me to be. Was he oblivious to it? He yeah. was so oblivious to it. He did not understand why I wanted to leave. And then when I told him what was said, he was like, well, I'm going to go confront them. No, because in that moment, I become the angry Latina that's going to blow up the space mm-hmm. because of some comments that were made that weren't, that weren't even directed to me. Because immediately, if we're offended by something, we're immediately angry. We're argumentative. We're threatening immediately. As to where a white girl can get upset and she can flip tables over and she'd be like, oh, she's just having, she's just having a little bit of a rough time. Like we can't have a rough time. Oh yeah, like like a lot of times in college, a lot of the white boys would put put a hole in their wall. <laughs> but I, I I I'm still at the point where I mellowed out so much that I don't even, I can't even get angry at this point. <laughs> yeah, cause, 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 that's the thing like because you know you know like that's what i'm saying like that's that's why um i'm tired of hearing like the angry black woman stereotypes or or i hate when i hate this is a this is a problem i, I cannot i hate when someone tells me i swear i have a sassy black woman in me somewhere no you don't sit your ass oh my god <laughs> they're quick to say oh this is an angry black man or oh she's ratchet or yes things. or ratchet or ghetto for just you know, <laughs> which is why like now when it's like oh camera if i was you in this situation i would have no, because if you were, if you, you, you can be me, because if you do all that, then you're ghetto, you're ratchet, you're that angry black woman, or just, you know, you can't, they can't handle nothing. No, I had to, like you said, Malcolm, at this point, you just, we can't, we can't get angry. Cause if we you get, have to be unapologetically be who we are, period, yeah. and not have to worry about having yeah. filters. But I feel like we, I feel like we've tiptoed around the line way too much. Exactly, yeah. which is now, which is what, now why we're flipping cars. Cause we're down there. Like, okay, right. you know what? If y'all want to talk about being angry, boom. Show, you, show them angry. So the goal I feel eventually is that the standard of beauty is not to have European features and stuff like that. Or you have yeah. the because I had the opposite experience of you, Gambola, where people would tell me that black people would tell me I have good hair, and it would annoy me because I'm like, what does that mean? And mm-hmm. And you know, even though it's supposed to be like a compliment, to me it's a backhand compliment because you're saying that I look better than everybody else because I look less black in your opinion than the the the, the yeah. basic example of a black person. Like, what are you, what are you saying? So that just speaks to me about self hatred and things like that. And like you guys were saying about the Latin community, a lot a lot of times I was in I can't remember I was in some I was on a cruise I was in some um, country in um, South America and. I saw an ad where I'm looking at this woman. I'm like, who is that? She looks very familiar. And it was Selena Gomez. And, <laughs> and they changed her features in editing so much to look more white that I could not tell who it was. I think she had commented on that, too. I think she was at the time. Huh? I think she would commented on that too and was like, that does not look like me. Exactly. Like, and, and like later on, later on, it, it, um, it came, she ended up seeing it, but that, you know, like some, some, um, some corner store or whatever. And it had Selena Gomez. And I'm like, 
like, who, she looked familiar. I'm like, who is that though? And you know, we've seen with L'Oreal having Beyonce look very light skinned one time. And, 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 um, people, they'll be like, you look beautiful. Or I know you've probably heard the compliment before people say, but you look beautiful for a black girl, whatever, or mm -hmm. a light skinned person for a dark skinned person. It is not a compliment. That's not a compliment. It's not. And, and, it's, it's and, it, goes, and it goes into, like you were saying about the, it's a beauty standards growing up because I have a sister and like I said, my great grandmother is half white. Mm -hmm. And you can see it on my side of the family where I have family, we have green, green hazel eyes, like lighter skin, brownish hair, that stuff like that. That whenever I would go out with them, people would look at us and be like, they just straight on to her and be like, Oh my God, like you have the prettiest eyes and this and this and this. And it's like, well, dang, like, you know, it's like, okay, well, I have brown eyes and kinky, kinky dark, dark hair. Does that make me less than, yeah. you know? It, make, it makes, like I say, it adds to that self-hatred because we don't have those European standards like, of, oh. Even in your same family, you'll be like your, your cousins or in your case, your sister, mm -hmm. who looks a little bit more towards the scale of white mm -hmm. or, or the European standard of beauty, as I always say, that makes her look better than you in your yeah. opinion. And that's, that's not right. Because I, I remember years ago, people would, I, I was arguing with somebody because Lil Wayne had a lyric where he was saying like, um, somebody, this girl looked beautiful, but she would look, this girl looked beautiful, but um, for a dark skinned girl, somebody, some along those lines, right? And I was saying like, how is that okay to say? And people were like, oh, you know, you never seen nobody before that, that you'd be like, oh, they look good, but they look, will look better with this complexion. I'm like, no, never. Because to me that, that um, that's such a backhanded compliment because mm -hmm. what, why do you have why can somebody look beautiful but they would look better if they had a different complexion? That's not yeah. right for me to say, especially him having a brown skinned daughter. That really doesn't make any and sense for him to be yeah. as dark skinned as he is. His yeah. complexion is so different. It, it's for him, him to have his complexion and then say somebody should look better, would look better if they were light skinned is a strange thing to say. But, um, let's move well, on a little bit. I want to talk more about that. I wanted to say something about that too, Malcolm. And I don't know if this leads to your next topic, but talking about skin tone, people want to like people want to have to have different skin tone to look like that European look, you know, but then where would they be without the African or black community in this world where like people don't know how much the black community has impacted the world, especially in the United States. Like where would it be like they look at black people or minorities as entertainment. Oh yeah, they can sing, they can dance and like, you know, black people have revolutionized music. And then now people are with the All Lives Matter or trying to change people's appearances. But where would your life be without the African-American community? Like, where where would you be now? Where would the econ economy be? And, you know, with just in general, where, where would it be? Because you don't want to give them the same rights, but with your life or the things you do or watch or things that entertain you, or help you in the common day get to where you need to get or do what you need to do, would it be possible without the black community or the, or the minority community in that aspect? I don't, I don't think so. It's, and, that, and that's true. Like, that's what, um, I just posted a poem and I was talking about how people from over, like, you know, this country started from natives coming from overseas and depending on the cultures that did not belong to them and then look at us as if we are wrong for being ourselves when this country was founded on the backs of people that were the blueprints. We are, like, people love to, and that's, and it's just like immigrants and black people, like, we, we make up America. We are America. Absolutely. Like, we are. Like, when you ask people, 
what's your favorite foods? Oh, I love me some Mexican. Oh, I love me some soul food. Where does it come from? And that's why I was going to say that, that to, to, to one point is that what John was saying, when John was introducing that topic and saying about how we, um, about how celebrities and things like that, they have a role, I feel, to bridge the, they, they have a role that helps bridge the gap because a lot of people's first experience with a black person will be through sports, entertainment, mm-hmm. movies, TV shows, et cetera, et cetera, right? But do they have a, um, but it's tough, but it's also a double-edged sword because I see things like comments like, oh, like somebody last week was saying about how T.I. and um, Killer Mike had their comments and what they said to the, um, what they said at, at, at the- At the, at the police, at the Atlanta the office, uh, police, uh, police station uh, during the writing. Yeah, and people were saying like, you know, you li- listen to what they were saying. And I, I, it annoys me because I would never say, I would never say, look at what Justin Timberlake said. You white people should listen to him. Yeah. So, so to tell me that I should listen to an entertainer because an entertainer told me to do something, that they, they have a voice, but they don't represent the black community. And that, they that, do not. Right. They do right. not. And, and those people are saying, listen to T.I. Some of these are the same white people that are raging and talking about how he was going with his, who was going with his doctor so a guy calls to make sure she's still a virgin. Okay? I need them to remember all that, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that does talk to my next topic because I was going to ask you guys about the... Um, about the fallout of George Floyd and how celebrities have responded to it. A lot of them have given a lot, a lot of them have given their, a, their um, opinions on what happened. Some of them have been criticized for that. Like, um, what do you guys think about Ellen who had a tweet where she said people of color, people actually came at her for saying people of color because they felt that she included um, other races in there and it's a, and it's a black issue. Do you think that she was probably criticized or different celebrities? You can talk about any celebrity, what they've, what they've gone through and things like that. What, have, what do you feel about celebrities' responses to the issue? Is throwing money at the issue good? Because we see people, people criticize like Virgil donated $50 and people criticized him for that. Um, or what is, what is the right answer? Because okay. I feel one thing, I'll, I'll just tell you how I feel. I feel like if you criticize people we want, we need people to get on our side about this issue, right? right? So I feel like if you criticize people harshly on being imperfect in their response, it also hurts them from probably responding from responding in the future, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I understand. I'm not gonna catch you because I feel like celebrities as a whole, they're all they're criticized no matter what they do. They go to the mm-hmm. store and buy the wrong brand of milk. They're gonna get they're gonna get crucified for anything. Yeah. Like. They even just come out wearing the wrong brand of shoes or just something. Like, they could just wear regular clothes and they looked at as being bummy for just living their lives. Like, like Whitney Houston once told Wendy Williams, and Wendy was like, you're always in the news. Wendy said, uh, Whitney was like, no, you always put me in the news. I'm always minding my business. So yeah. for the most part, even with the mind their business, they're always criticized about anything. But I feel like with this issue, this is the Black issue, something that connects heavily with their fan base. Because as we were talking about how Black people contribute so much to like the culture and the life, music is a large part of that. Yeah. A, a yeah. lot, a lot of that. So if you're going to donate, and like as especially like musicians, musicians and stuff, it's love is all. They they profit off of Black lives. They do. Absolutely. Our culture, our style, our everything. Like you see, freaking certain celebrities, we're not saying the name, get surgeries to look like us, to get our lips, to get like our like you know our waist, our hips, our curves. They want that. People make music or have videos for people that look like us. And so they profit, they profit off our fashion. They, they do. So when you respond back or you trying to support the movement, 
I feel like some of them support support it because it's on brand or what's happening now. Like the influencer, the influencer that I got caught with taking a photo, like a quick photo op, you know, with the Black Lives Matter sign, just really quickly, you know, all dressed up as as a movement. Or yeah, I I, I totally agree with you on yeah, that. But yeah. um, one thing I was gonna say is that I feel like a lot of times celebrities, um, I feel like that's that goes to what you said earlier: the damned if you do, damned if you don't. We yeah. want. Yeah. We want celebrities to use their voice because people have criticized celebrities that don't use their voice, haven't used their voice. Like people said about the Kardashians earlier this week. I don't know what they've done since then. Oh <laughs> yeah, it was it was a, a lot of them were kind of just retweeting, but actually giving their actual opinion, just retweeting stuff. Yeah. Um. Oh, and then for example, one of them, she waited till like the very last minute to start retweeting and then talking about donating and stuff like that. So that's what I was, was going to get into. Like I understand, like we do need advocates and celebrities to champion for us at times to bridge it over because they either do represent us too. But they also, I would think that I want some of them to do their research before they represent us because some of them just hop in into research, I feel like, because it's on brand, but they don't do research. The, the research, like, as far as the Kardashians, even though you know how I feel about this woman, Kim Kardashian, you know how I feel about her. She does, as far as fact, work as far as the reform movement or whatever, reforming, like, you know, as far as, like, the prison reform and stuff like that, which is a big thing about me. It's prison reform. Stuff like Blacks get incarcerated at higher rate, which is true. Mm-hmm. But she does also culture vulture a lot, too. But out of all of them, I will say that she does her research. So when she advocates, it feels that a bit more of a, okay, I, I understanding place versus Courtney, who retweets stuff here and there. But I, I can tell you, I don't know what she does or what she has done as far as everything in the community, more than I can tell you more than I see what her sister does. Does that make sense? And with, yeah. the, L, and with the L and with people of color, I can see she's trying to reach out in solidarity. But before then, I guess she's spoken on the matter before she could have. I just don't research more into Ellen as much. But because I see her more as for like the gay rights thing, that's because you know that's that's my boat. So I see her with that kind of with those issues. But mm-hmm. I cannot say that I feel like she did hop out to support. But I feel like there's how she should have done her research because even just lightly digging, you can see black people. We hate we because you're lumping it all together at terms, and that has been an issue recently that has been spoken about on Twitter of quit saying people of color all the time because as you guys are talking about the white passing Latinos and stuff like that they're lumping themselves in with people of color when that's like, it's different. So this is a Black Lives Matter issue. You need to contribute to the Black Lives Matter. You don't see Call of Duty saying people of color lives matter. They're saying mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. So that's what I think, like, I understand and I appreciate the support, but there's things where also you need to kind of make us more aware or educate yourself before you hop into the support. Because this is a deep, it's a deep, it's a deep sea we're in here right now. You I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree that you need, to, you need to do your research and you need to, you honestly need to feel passionate about something before you should speak on it anyway like you like a few months ago people got mad about lebron james talking about the chinese the chinese um class issue that they were that they were going through and i feel like when a subject is disingenuous you feel it mm-hmm. but, um needs to go i gotta i'm gonna ask her uh, i just want to get her final take before so she can wrap up what she has to say on everything that we've talked about and um like for example and i'm gonna ask you guys this question next have you guys experienced any of your friends list? Have you blocked anybody? Have you experienced anybody on your friends list that has said anything where and where you have disagreed with them to the extent where we can't even have a dialogue anymore? Because a lot, Kamala spoke earlier about we can't have a dialogue about if I deserve to exist or not. And I feel like that's a fair argument. Um, have any of you guys had, specifically Fatima, have you, any of you guys had, had any issues with anybody on your friends list or whatever where you see Facebook and you see that somebody's so backwards and this issue really illuminated that fact? And also, what is your final statement before you get out of here? 
Yeah, so definitely. I mean, you, you know, recently, just yesterday, or was it the day before that, I had to block a very best friend of mine. And I've, I've dealt with the seemingly racist things she'd been saying over time, even even since high school. You know, I've experienced her saying the N-word in front of my group of Black friends. And so I kind of had to fall back from her and explain to her that that certainly was not okay, but you don't respect me as your friend to not say that in my presence or in anyone's presence ever. And so, you know, recently she's been on this whole Blue Lives Matter and my father was is a cop and my brother is a cop and not all cops are bad and it's, it's just I, I've had to block her because it's it's been going on too long I've been very silent unfortunately on, on my part I should have spoken up a long time ago to her about this but it, it's been going on too long with her saying whatever she, whatever she wants to say in regards to black lives or just black people in general. And she absolutely is the last person that can get away with that because she has a biracial son. So really- You're a better friend than me because if she had said the <laughs> N word in my presence in my black, she wouldn't be my friend from the very jump. And, and really she wasn't after that. I, I, I don't think, I, I think I should have said something more than what I did say Mm-hmm. But she should have realized it once I ghosted her for months right. after that. There should have been a, hey, Faye, why haven't we spoken? Then I would have went into that. But see, I'm not very confrontational. So mm-hmm. I wasn't going to go there with her. I knew I would have probably blew up. It probably would have been a fight if she had decided to reach out. But I just, I fell back. But all what she was posting yesterday about, yeah, I think she, what, what, what was it that she posted Malcolm? Because I can't, <laughs> I can't think of it. posted an article about, that it took it out of context where it took, it was an incident where these five black men attacked mm-hmm. this, this elderly woman, but these, these people were drug addicts <laughs> and they, and they, she used this, they used the story out of context to serve the needs of this incident. And they, they repurposed the story that happened in 2016 as something that happened in 2020 as a looting incident and it was not a looting incident so it just speaks to the people don't use facts and when you're blinded by rage and you're and you're you don't you try to serve an agenda that you'll use things out of context with no facts no information just to serve your point but to speak to what you're saying Fatima, i feel like this is a time where like people like we were saying earlier about you need people to get uncomfortable mm-hmm. you, need, you need to get people uncomfortable because everybody's been comfortable except us we've been uncomfortable We've been uncomfortable and tiptoeing around the issue because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And I don't feel like that's the answer. I feel like sometimes you have to confront people. When people say microaggressions, like when they turn the lights off and they go, oh, I can't see Fatima. I can't see Daniel. I can't see Kamala. Which is what you're saying is you're cracking a joke about race, even though, can I see anybody white in the dark either? No. So that's just a a stupid comment. But by ignoring it, do you feel like that has helped it bubble to where it explodes to the point where it comes to a climax like yesterday? Because if you if you tackle things straight on, maybe it maybe you know right then, hey, this friendship is actually over. You can't yeah. be saved. 
Absolutely. Or, or do you I, feel like it, it evolves over time where it had to get to this point? I think, well, I, I feel like I definitely, as her friend, contributed to where it is now, having not gone into the ramifications behind what she had been saying for years. So I, I think definitely being silent about it, ignoring it, thinking that it was going to eventually go away or that she would eventually go away, it, it definitely contributed to what it is now. So I, I agree with that aspect of it. It does evolve over time as well. It depends on, it depends on what it is. In this particular situation, I know as her black friend, I contributed to where it is now. And, and I think the fact that she has a biracial son, she's probably using that as an excuse. Oh, because I have a technically yeah. a black son, I can get away with doing certain things, using certain things because I'm raising a black child. Yeah. It's like, what are you teaching your black child about his side of that culture? You know what I'm saying? That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother can of worms, but yeah. and we can't tell people how to parent. But right. <laughs> do, do you fit, part of that I feel was that you can you contributed to her comfort, but because it's in you that you have to comfortably ease in your humanity to people, and that's not fair to you as a person. Like I said earlier, we're not we're not ever we can't be everyone's black Yoda. You're right. We right. Exactly. We can't you 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 can't be sensei and master and everything. Just teach somebody how to treat you as a human being or what's right. Like over time, people even if it's not instinctual right away they need to learn like that you are a human and you deserve equal treatment or like you know or if, or if, as her black friend or whatever you tell her if you tell someone i don't like this it's out of pocket don't say it again it shouldn't be, it should, it should be a debate it shouldn't be a debate of why just don't do it and you shouldn't you're right you shouldn't have to say it but you do and it's unfortunate that you have to it's not fair to you that you have to do that anything oh, before we get before you get out of here Anything else, any final things you want to say and anything you want to plug, your mu um, any music, anything like that you want to plug, your Instagram account? Um, I mean, y'all can follow me at Akila. that's A-Q-U-I-Y-L-A-H. Uh, see all of my modeling pictures that are going up there soon. Um, but um, yeah, as far as my final takes on this whole situation, I hope uh, I, I mean, I don't hope, I know that this is going to go to new heights. We just need to keep pushing through. And hopefully we can get more of the, the cops that have, you know, taken the lives of many of our Black brothers and sisters charged and, you know, put where they need to be in and under the jail. Hashtag justice for Breonna Taylor. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Father. Thank you very much. And the rest of you guys, I'll pose, I'll pose that same question to you about um I'll pose the same question to you for the rest of you guys. How do you what what have you guys experienced in the past week with your reaction to people on Facebook, things like that? Have have you gotten engaged in any debates? Have you talked to anybody? Have you blocked anybody? How has that been playing out in your life? Luckily, most of my friends are all of the same mindset that I am that this is a bull. But there has been a couple stragglers here and there. And one, like a couple I just told Durali, because Durali doesn't really get use her Facebook as much. She's her Instagram. That's her thing. Instagram's her platform. So when I see stuff on Facebook, I let her know, okay, look, this is a mutual friend we follow. I need you to, what are your thoughts or opinions on this kind of thing? 
So I just had um, the damned if you do, damned if you don't post that. Um, that was one girl who I was like, I need to, I think I just need to get, get rid of that one because it's, I don't want a, a person that when things get hard like this or about my humanity is going to step back and be like, hey, mm-hmm. my name is Ben and I ain't in it. <laughs> and when, or there, or there's a friend that they ask, oh, I want to get educated. But when you try to educate them, they don't want to be educated. They just want someone to affirm that they are right and oh, yeah. their ignorance. I've had that, I've had that a lot too, where I, yeah. where the person that Fonta was talking about, mm-hmm. I, one thing that we got in an issue with was I felt this person was asking questions but not listening for the answers. Mm-hmm. They, would, they would say, hey, I want to understand, but then when somebody would give them a passionate two-paragraph um, citation um, response, they would ignore it and then post the next article that's race-baiting and trying to start an um, argument in the comment section. They would like setting fires and walking away. Yeah. And, or if you were in a form of opinion, they would argue with you for two seconds, and then if they lost, they would delete the post. So yeah. what is, what, if for people watching this that want to make a change, but they feel like they're criticizing, they make a change, or like you said, the damned if you do, damned if you don't, what do you feel a person, a white person, that is making an effort, they really want to understand, they just found out about this yesterday, mm-hmm. or, or the last few weeks, what can they do going forward to help? I say, because um, we were talking about this like a few weeks ago when that guy asked me, well, if I don't say anything, am I, am I being racist? And remember, he was asking me like, to kind of cheer him on to post them. And now my mentality is, if you genuinely care mm-hmm. and you genuinely want to contribute to like this, you shouldn't care about the pushback you're going to get. We get pushback for our existence. So if you genuinely care, you genuinely want to contribute do that there's um there's so many there's so many like tweets social posts everything about organizations that are accepting donations you can go to protest if you don't feel like protesting because you know sometimes i understand that like for example i live with my family and they're like my grandparents i don't sometimes i don't want to be out with lots, lots of crowds and then come home to my grand like you know i have family I have to worry about too so you can get supplies for protests. Maybe you want to drop off, like they have a med tent set up in certain protests or certain areas. Maybe you want to get out, drink out some water, snacks, stuff like that. Make signs for people that are going, hand them out. There's different things you can do. There's a list of movies that, that, that show that the issues we place, like when they see us, 13. There's book and pick up. Go on Amazon, have them delivered to you. There's, there's material you can read up and research to find out about the disparities that we as Black people are about our face in the community. So mm-hmm. educate yourself. And don't keep looking at, because one argument I do see is, well, I ask my Black friends and they're respectful members of the community and they don't have issues. They're not the only Black people that you, they're not the only Black people that, that exist. That might, yeah. be, that might yeah. be who they're looking for. Like people, like you said, the, the, that one affirmation, they're looking for those people that, that don't really want to make a change. They're looking for the, can you please co-sign me not caring so that I it's can- Like the token what? black, basically. Exactly. Like, and they're using Candace <laughs> Owens as that, but we don't like it. She does not speak for all of us. Like you're yeah. saying, like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, you need to educate yourself and go out there and keep asking us, like I said, to be a black Yoda because we're not the only ones out there. There's other research materials you can see because when you're using your token friend, they're just, they pander. They do. Mm-hmm. And, but, but that token- Search under the hashtag. Yeah. I've learned so much in searching under the Black Lives Matter hashtag. You, there's petitions to sign that you can do. If, you, if, if going to the protest is not something that's viable for you, there's petitions that you can sign. Yeah. There are so many things that you can do that even don't, don't include you spending any money, just your time and doing your research. 
Money is not the only way. It's, we want your ear more than I want your yeah. ear. And like to understand, that's same doing the research. Like when we talk about the blocking friends, like I just told her, I meet your friend you have. She posted today about a meme and it was like me. Trust make a logical, reasonable point on why literally burning down the city and looting is wrong. And then she goes, but everyone's saying, oh, I hear you're racist now. She had a black friend who, who gave her a whole paragraph. She's like, no, because you child, you called the protesters and the protesters childish. She's saying they're basically throwing a tantrum because things didn't go their way. That's what makes you racist because you're not listening. And mm-hmm. she gave her a whole point about Candace Owens does not speak for us X, Y, and Z. But the same girl who's saying, oh, I'm not racist. I care about everyone. I just think looting the thing is wrong. She liked the comment where someone was saying F looters and liberals. Yeah, and like I want to say something, cause Malcolm Malcolm knows how I work my social media. Malcolm, like I literally just tweet one time a day, and you know I don't go on Facebook and I sometimes scroll on social media, but I do get on Twitter. I don't get on the social medias, and I do do I I started doing things behind the scenes because yeah. I'm not very so much on social media. I just it's never been my thing. Malcolm, like he knows if. I'm all good if he sees that one tweet I send in the morning or something. Malcolm, <laughs> yeah. like, legit, Malcolm sees it, he be like, all right, Jonathan's good or Jonathan's, you know, awake or something. <laughs> because like, I'm not, I, I, I go on social media and just to read, to be informed, like we were talking about before the pa- the podcast started about Jane Elliott and just everything that's happening, all the videos we see and information we've been given. And that's the thing, like these are information we can't ignore and we have to put it in our lives. Like, I think, I, like I said, on social media posts, I think I should be the last one to speak because I don't post. And, you know, I posted on Blackout Tuesday and, you know, the, the whole black screen uh, and people like, you know, don't use the Black Lives Matter um, hashtags and things like that. But, you know, I, I'm doing things behind the scenes that, you know, people be like, oh, you know, probably Jonathan's not supporting or something like that. But I feel like, if I'm informing people, especially people around me, and telling them like, "Hey, what's happening is for a good cause," then that's then that's fine because, like you said, some people might be posting things on social media just to be on the good side of things, just mm-hmm. to be like, "Oh, hey, I said something, so I'm good to go." Mm-hmm. But if you like sit down and talk to them, you'd be like, "Wow, they've done this, this, and that." I saw somebody in fact post on the um, Blackout Tuesday, like, you know, even though I hate Black um, Lives Matter. This is this is yada 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 yada. I'm, and then his his own brother responded and said, "You know what? Like, you might as well not post it." Yeah, take it down. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. What was the point of that? Like, yeah. just just be silent. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing, like with me, because like I'm more active on my like I said, I don't really use my Instagram. I have and I have like an actual Instagram that like support that promotes like my like right. I don't use my Instagram that much, and I don't use my Twitter as much. I tweet here and there. Yeah, we have my my binges, but I'm mostly on Facebook. So an Instagram. Yeah, my Twitter looks like, oh, well, Kelma ain't saying nothing. She's just quiet. She don't care. But you go on my Facebook, it's lit. I'm debating. I'm arguing. I'm going in. Like, I'm blocking left, like, giving out blocks. Like, Oprah gives out cars. You get a block. You get a block. What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> like, I'm on it. But like I said, but like you said, but behind the scenes, like, I do advocate for stuff. Like, I advocate, like, you know, about Black Lives Matter. Stuff, but I'm, I have discussions about it. I, I contribute. I educate. So, so it's like, that's why when the guy was asking me, well, if I don't post, he's like, well, I do other things too. And I'm asking, I'm thinking, what other things? Because we don't know what you do. But with you, you're reaching out to people, Jonathan. And like I said, you do, like, even the podcast that we're having frank discussion and you're doing things outside of just posting, which is good. But for the person that's asking me, well, if I don't post, 
what else do you do? You don't do anything. Like, but my thing is, does everything have to be publicized? You know what I mean? Exa if you, exactly. If you know in your heart, you're doing enough to contribute to the good of society. What do you have to like, the, kind of piggybacking off of the celebrities? I know we got off of that, but I mean, do they have to say, oh, I donated $50,000? I mean, you did it out of the goodness of your heart, not to get clout or any kind of thing like that. So it's yeah, like. Exactly, because I know, I know a lot of you guys don't like Kanye, the two down here, but I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> People, people were criticizing him. I saw on Twitter somebody saying like a few days ago, oh, what has he done about this issue? But everybody, after what he did two years ago, no one wants to hear from him, right? Right. He, he put his money where his mouth is. He donated $2 million to, um, to Ahmaud Arbery and um, Breonna Taylor and, and um, George Floyd and somebody else's. And then his George Floyd's daughter tuition fund. Like, yeah. But Kanye's also been to protests, though. That's like, cause he's like, he's been there. But he, they had, they he had to leave because people were focusing on Kanye and the protests, which is understandable. So yeah. he had to leave. But I was talking about the celebrities. Sorry, he was on the protest in Chicago, correct? With yeah, high schoolers. Um, yeah. he, he did. people did took video of him walking with the people. He didn't speak, like you said, and he did leave early. Sorry, yeah. to cut but, oh no, you no, cause you're you're it's fine because like he had to leave because people started focusing more on him than the protest. So of course he had to step back from the situation. But that's what we were saying, like, you know, with celebrities with the money with their mouths, they are donating here and there. But I did get annoyed, for example, with a certain certain celebrity when they posted the receipt of them donating. And they're like, okay, yeah, they donate, like, I think $400,000 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But we know this is the same celebrity. They brag about how much money they spend on their chains, which is way more <laughs> than $400,000. So I'm like, okay, so you're bragging about you're donating to I mean I, I, I agree with you on that, but then I, you know, companies do the same thing where they'll be like, well, co companies will talk about their record revenue, and I've never seen a company donate more than a few hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. But, um, and I, and I totally agree with you. The, um, I'm not going to donate shame and stuff like that. I get it. If you're going to, if, if you're going to give to the cause, give to the cause. You see people like Michael Jordan give a hundred million dollars over the next 10 years, but a hundred million dollars to, um, to causes that he feels passionate about in this. Um, Charity. And philanthropic acts for companies are all commercials anyway. But mm -hmm. we'll take the money, we're happy. Yeah. But do you feel but do you guys feel like the donations are genuine or you feel like they're doing it because they feel bad? But I, feel I, think, bad. I think I think it depends on the, on like you said, like how we talked about on the person. Because just a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you anyone watched it here. But that Michael Jordan 30 for 30, like the last dance. And yeah. people always talked about how Michael Jordan during his time wasn't really an activist. He wasn't really speaking on issues because of his brand. Exactly. So him making a statement and doing this big donation, I feel like that's it's just a statement is a big step for Michael, for Michael Jordan, who in his career really focused on the money. And he said that one comment where like, Oh, Republicans buy sneakers too. Is it, a big voting. To criticize, uh, to criticize it, is it a big step or is it a, hey, I just put out this documentary. Everybody loves me again. Let me put the exclamation point so that I'm loved for, for the rest of my life. And that's that's because I will I'll be honest. Is my on that really here? I knew about Michael Gordon. I know Malcolm, forgive me. I'm sorry. I love you. Is that um, it was just like just his athletic attributes and so like that's it. it was just he was, he was just a good basketball player and like he played golf in there and then Space Jam. As far as anything else, I didn't know. I didn't even know Michael Jordan liked black people. Because when, when we look at LeBron James, people are saying LeBron, LeBron James, who's as big as an athlete, when, when people do the comparison, you know, LeBron James or Michael Jordan, 
I think it is also the time that we live in, but LeBron James has been very vocal. Mm-hmm. Like he has mm-hmm. gone to like uh democratic rallies or, or conventions. Um he has spoken on, you know, social matters on, on the death of, of black lives of black people, black lives matter. And then uh it could be the times because of social media, but like back then or people now, like you said, you didn't know, you know. If you didn't know basketball, you didn't know Michael Jordan. And I feel like some people have heard about LeBron James because he's so outspoken on some things. Mm-hmm. And athletes are becoming more outspoken over the past years. Like we see that's like, that's like, with the with with that um field is we want you to come here, dribble the ball, shut up, and go. Mm-hmm. That is the problem there. Back then, those athletes, they couldn't, they wouldn't even know where to start to go about being like, how can I be vocal about this stuff? Not excusing their silence, but under, we also have to be understanding sometimes. Like, yes, come out now. Now is the time for you to, if you don't come out now, now I can judge you. Yeah. Because now you, there's platforms. People are going to be able to hear you. But back then, what was he, you know, what was he, honestly going to do just sit on a press conference with all the news media and say stuff like that and then get blocked out of everything get lose a contract and then what's you know how is that helping because they're probably not going to air it online yeah but i mean like i mean after like after his career like after that like after that like you know because he had spent years or we didn't hear him or see him do much after that you know like in the past 10 years or so, like, I can't tell you, like, what I know him to do, but he does profit out for black culture, because when people talk about sneakers, who do they, who do they stereotype with Jordans? And that, but that's a whole thing of, like, that's also a learning curve. I'm not saying that, you know, he should have spoken out way before now, but I'm, I'm saying that's a whole learning culture, especially for, like, the older generation. Like, we are of the fact of, like, there's injustice let's get up and go that's our generation you know their generation was still oppressed at the beginning of their lives so they're coming off of that oppression also i so totally I understand, agree. but now we gotta we gotta get we all as a collective gotta get angry i i agree with the rally's point and um there's 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 several ways to do um to do activism and i feel like we've seen a lot of times with celebrities that say hey let me make it and then I can say whatever I want. We've seen that with Beyonce and Jay-Z to an extent, but Beyonce is somebody that didn't say nothing. And then now she says whatever she wants and you can't do nothing about it. I already got mine. Now everybody's going to listen to me. And I feel like that works. But I also feel like there's people that outspoken and talk in the middle and it may hurt their career or not, like LeBron James, Kanye West, people like that that talk up to their rise. It does hurt them sometimes, but it's nice to have both. I don't think you have to do it a certain way to be correct. Yeah. Well, I, and I agree with the, the rise of the top because J.K. Rowling did the same thing with the Dumbledore being gay. By the time she finally told everybody, her seventh movie had just been released. She had sold like over. She had she made so much money. She's like, you know, at this point, what you gonna do? Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I done sealed all my seven, all my book deals are done. I done yeah. moved them out. And sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes it's too late. Like you said, yeah. is Michael Jordan too late? He comes back. He comes out ten years later after he makes a documentary. Now he wants to say, hey, now I have opinions. Yeah, but he, he's already been at the top for 20, 30 years enjoying his life. That's different. Yeah, and that's what I was saying compared to, like you said, like with Beyonce and G, they made it to the top and then they can say anything. He has been at that, like you're saying, at the top for so long that that's why I was confused because I'm like, I don't understand where this is coming from. 
Because they come when, from a certain era where it's kind of like everything is very PR, media yeah, trained. Yeah, like was saying. They, they're afraid of offending people, but the, when they see people like their peers, like a Beyonce or a Jay-Z, be more vocal. And he's like, well, if they're vocal and they, I can definitely be vocal. It kind of like give the older. I agree with that point, Daniel, because a lot of times we, we saw, we've, we, we can't say it's been like that forever because we had Muhammad Ali's oh. very vocal right. and he and boxes are their brand. So someone like Muhammad Ali spoke out about what he felt was, was unjust correct and mm-hmm. i thought those people in the middle between like the, the 80s to the 2000s they mm-hmm. fell into the what we would consider complacent but they did what was right for their time i mean we can't really go, go back and criticize them for that because you have to I, I always say the only way for some for somebody the oppressed to become equal is that the oppressor allows them to but also to your point, um, the Mah- Muhammad Ali, he kind of came up in the time with, you know, the Martin Luther Kings and the Malcolm X's around that era. So it was not abnormal for them to speak up against injustice. Yeah, but, Daniel, oh, sorry. And, but also those were harder times because they were in uh, peak segregation and mm-hmm. things like that. So like yeah. Muhammad Ali, when he uh, said he wouldn't fight or was protesting, he like gave up his passion for it because he did go to jail and things like that. So, like you said, Malcolm, it is different eras that we're living in right now. Where yeah, like so the like era and the other eras as well until now. I just don't like to see the young people um like crap on the people above us that went that were like, oh, they were always silent. I see that a lot last week. And I'm like, mm-hmm. they they it's not that they were silent, they were doing the activism that was best for their time. It's easy to always it's always easy to criticize people that did something before you because they didn't have the, the thing that we have now. We have social media. We can say what we want, how we want. Right now we're doing a call with six people, five now, that are in different locations, um, putting our voice out there. But they didn't have these kind of platforms. So they did what they could. They did the, hey, let me go to work and be a great example, like me and you talked about earlier. Let me go to work and be a great example so that my children and their children will be able to be seen as as um, hard workers and, and let me move my kids to a, um area where they're able to succeed or let me pay, let me work hard so my kids can go to private school or whatever it is so they can have an equal education. I have to work hard to give you an equal education. So let's not act like they did nothing. That's one thing I don't like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I see, I'm understanding. See, once you guys explain it, I'm starting to understand that aspect of it. Because for me, it was just like, okay, well, I understand like back in those days, you could not advocate as hard or do anything. But where were you from at least, at least, let's see, 2014 with Ed Gardner up until now? Yeah. And they, I mean, you know, they, they were doing stuff with like Rodney King and all that stuff. So, you know. Yeah. This, this, and this, it's, this, a, it's this. a whole thing of like, they were there for the Martin Luther King and Black Panther movement. They were there for the, those things. And they saw the aftermath of the death of all these people. Yeah. They saw their own people who they were probably marching right next to fall for the mm-hmm. cause. And right. I don't fault anybody for being scared that that might happen to their kids and being like, okay, well, I, I got to do what I got to do to at least bring my kids up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? So I, that's a, that's a whole mentality. Like we also have to understand that they have gone through a trauma themselves. You're right. Now we have no idea what that is about. Like, I cannot tell you what, what they went through because I wasn't there. So that's a whole thing of understanding. We have to bring understanding into the forefront. And it, come, it goes from them, it goes their way also because they don't understand the type of oppression that we are facing now. You're right. 
I, I totally agree with you because what, you, what you're saying is so true. They, they went through a trauma. They saw people like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and all these people get killed. So, but, but right now we're in a mentality where we speak our mind, we say what we want. Do you foresee, you, you probably, don't, probably don't foresee Michael Jordan or, or LeBron James getting killed for speaking their mind. That, but that's the, the reality that they lived in. Now, I want to start wrapping things up. So I want to ask you guys again, for somebody listening, and they ask you, what can I do? What are some things that we can do as, a, to, as together? Because like this, this one, this George Floyd's death, I've seen more people of all races downtown. People always want, want, to, want to say, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of black people downtown rioting and looting and stuff like that. I see everybody down there protesting, fighting for equality. Absolutely. Everybody's outraged. Everybody's upset. You saw the black dots, black um, squares on your Instagram from everybody, mm-hmm. all the people you know, different races and everything. What do you think is the result? What's the goal, number one? And then what do you think we can do to achieve that? And how can the, we bridge the divide between police officers and black people? I think- Honestly, I want to start off by saying, like, I think we're just tired. You know, I think we're tired of being treated as like, you know, inhumane, we are a part of this human race. And it is refreshing to see people of other races coming out protesting and things of that nature, just to know that, you know, we're, we're, we're all in this together. And, you know, and we're, we're just basically tired of one race being overlooked and everybody else getting a pass. So I think what we can do going forward, I definitely feel like as far as people who want to, like of other races wanting to join in on the movement, definitely, you know, have them do their research, us educating them as minorities, um, educating them on what to do and um yeah just continue to keep the word out there for sure i think uh one of the things that i wanted to say was that doing i did some research today and i found out that on average a police officer shoots a person here in the united states three people die from police shootings every day here in the united states which it's astronomical because some there's some uh countries that that's their average per year so we need to start looking at police reform we need to start we need to break them down there's nobody policing the police they police each other within the themselves which sounds crazy for a country that was built on checks and balance how is that possible that one one entity has so much power by themselves there's nobody policing the police they just they're, they do their own inside investigations and sweep everything under the rug. Mm-hmm. Until 2014, when Michael Brown and Eric Garner uh, cases came up to light, there was no way of tracking how many, uh, how many people died from police shootings. There was no way. So we just, we've only had the, the sense to start tracking this for the past six years. So we need to take a hard look at our police departments. We need to start taking a hard look at our officials and saying, is this what's best for us? If we need to go into another revolution, then that's what we have to do. The, the, the history books are written by the people who won, who won. And on the history books for America, there is no mention of, the, of slavery. They make it seem like you guys like black people in America were just on vacation on the plantations. Mm-hmm. So we need to fight. People need to know their history. We <clears throat> need to fight for that. We need to fight for change. I want to see 
the oppression on the history books. I want to see that. I want people to learn so the, the white kids can know this is what happened and this is this is not going to be acceptable anymore. Very true. Camilla? Okay, so I feel like the end goal to all this should be the the account is okay. Okay, so my three things to this, I feel like for all this, the end goal should that be should be everyone should be able to look at each other and understand that there has also been also always been a disparity and that that, that disparity needs to change. And aside from the reform, because I told you I don't feel like the police can be reformed at this point. Y'all just gonna start fresh. It's at this point, it's it's, it's the same year, the same system running off of the same years. So besides the reform, just from the government ground up, we got to address that the reform thing. Well, that we need to address the things that have been happening with systematic racism throughout the whole government, from the economic impact of communities that with you know the low income communities that we have up until you know police action. And I feel like three things that can help with that is like um, research and consistency, and then the third thing I feel like should be is um, accountability, because people are not doing their research. And the research that they're doing is biased. You're finding things that confirm your own opinion. So I feel like you need to uh, research outside of that. And asking people to, when you ask to have a conversation, you have that conversation to actually learn, not having the conversation to just reply. I need you to actually listen to listen, not listen to act off and reply. And I feel like consistency needs to be a thing. We can't just start this and then fall off. We can't let a couple, a couple of cops hugs and us be quiet everything goes away no we need to consistently be on this when Martin Luther King Jr. was shot there was six days of people cutting up because they were not okay with this yeah um and that's when they started making the civil rights laws because you know they're like you know we're tired of burning stuff let's go and get this together so I feel like in addition to this we need to consistently be consistent and um stand up for this so aside from that um, and also, once things start to change, we need to be on it. We can't just go, okay, well, we got this, this one law passes this. No. Once they started protesting about the George Floyd after the officers got arrested, then people were asking questions, okay, what about Breonna Taylor? What about this and this and this? So people are starting to actually be being held accountable for their actions, which lead into me saying accountability. People need to be accountable for the things that they do. Like when people say, oh, this makes me uncomfortable about this. I don't want to listen to this. No. You have privilege. You need to be held accountable, accountable for You need to learn about this privilege and move with it and learn ways that you can contribute and help which you can by researching and informing other people who think like you, you know? And as far as that, then I just, I feel like just uh, all those three together, like we can help with that because accountability and consistency really play a big part in this too. Because people aren't being held accountable for the actions, which is why we're, we're, we're where we are now. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Very well said. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I just building off you guys, you know, I, the same mindset as well. Like, you know, at the end is, you know, it, it's to educate everybody, just like on the thing that's, that's happened and ed educate people on like, you know, why this happened and how, and also how can we continue to push this movement forward and fight for equality, which is I think the end goal. Um, so, so that's just my thing, like continue doing research, you know, don't, don't let this be like in a couple of weeks, you're gonna forget. Keep yeah. at it. Keep motivating. Keep pushing this movement forward. And like I said in the beginning, um, it might you know, 2020 has been a weird year, but it can be. Maybe this happened for a good reason. In the aspect of, is it's given us so we don't make this as a bump on the road. This makes it like, all right, we need to fix this problem, and we need to continue moving forward. 
Yes, I agree. Like everybody said, I pick back off everything said. Like John, you said from the very beginning, it's a good time. To, it's a good thing that this has happened where everybody's attention's on it. Nothing's happening. You ain't got nothing to do. What you doing Friday night? Nothing. But but it's good. It's good that <laughs> Clocking it's in for my protest shift. <laughs> right. It's a good thing that, that this is happening. Right everybody's attention is on it. The whole world's attention is on it. You see all over the world people protesting about this issue that is American in theory, but it's actually a worldwide problem. And like you you see a lot of people, like I said before, you see a lot of people in the last few weeks misquoting Martin Luther King talking about how a protest is the language of the unheard. And that's not true. What he said further on is that if you do not do the right things to prevent these things from happening, then the protest will continue to happen. And 70 years later, here we are doing the same thing, fighting for the same issues, the same things going on over and over and over again. Martin Luther King gets altered in history where he becomes this saint-like figure that, um, that it, it, the, way, the way it seems like from the history books that Martin Luther King snapped his fingers, he, he, he held hands and they sang Kumbaya and <laughs> race ended. And that's not how it went. Martin Luther King ended up getting killed for his peaceful protests and his peaceful uh, his peaceful actions towards racial equality. So to make Martin Luther King a martyr and people to whitewash his um, impact and make it seem like make it palatable for the um, for the consumer, so that Martin Luther King seems like this guy that just was like, "Hey, I have a dream that one day black people will be in the same classroom together and mm-hmm. be able to the same water fountain," and then it happened like that is a false narrative, and we need to get rid of that. Peace protests are not meant for you to be comfortable. When Colin Kaepernick kneels on a football field and it hurts, it interrupts your football Sunday, even though I was a sport manager major and people are buying beer and screaming, woo, after they say, <laughs> land to the brave. And, but, but it's disrespectful now for somebody to kneel for police brutality because it's, it, it's not make, it doesn't make you comfortable. That's an issue. But it's our First Amendment too. So it's like, it's what are we doing wrong? I'm saying people have been telling you that they're not comfortable with the way you protest. They're not comfortable yeah. with kneeling. They're not comfortable with you blocking traffic. I've seen lots of nasty posts this week where people say, if you're blocking traffic, they should run you over. We're not, they're not comfortable with um, you downtown. They're not comfortable with you um, talking about it at an award show. It should be on the movie. It's not, we're not comfortable with this and that and the third. A protest is not supposed to make you comfortable. Were people comfortable when they threw tea in the harbor? No. So were people comfortable when they put, when Colin Kaepernick kneeled? No. So you shouldn't be comfortable now. Yeah. It wasn't comfortable for George Floyd to have a neck, have a knee on the back of his neck until he breathed his last breath. So it's not comfortable for you to hear about racism at your dinner table. I'm sorry, you're going to have to hear about racism at your dinner mm-hmm. table. So I agree with what everybody said. I'd like to thank you guys for coming on. Is there anything that anybody wants to add to um, close out and then you want, you want to promote, talk about who you are, your brand. What do you want to talk about? Which, talk. Okay. Well, you guys can follow me on my Instagram. It's K period poetics. That's P O E T I C S. I write some really good poetry. Hopefully I have a book coming out soon. We'll see how this goes. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and um, also this week I'm going to be posting some stuff about like, you know, uh, the black experience, how it feels about being like, you know, hash like, quote unquote made in America. Um, I feel like that, people really like that piece. Well, I'll, I'll do pieces of the piece because it won't fit on Instagram, but parts of it on there, you know. And right. just, yeah, follow me. I'd love to hear about, you know, open some dialogue about, about this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And dialogue is important. One thing that, that is important in this issue that we want people to talk about what's going on because being silent and, 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 not, and not being comfortable and me not, let's not talk about this right now has led to this being bubbled up. Like I was saying, trying to, the point I was trying to make to Fatima earlier is that 
by allowing someone to make all these micro racist microaggressions and racist comments towards you has made it swell up to the point where it is not salvageable anymore. The rally, anything you want to promote or bring up or anything to find you? Anywhere we can find you? Do not follow me if your feelings get hurt because I do go after people all the time. Um, if it isn't just, I'm going after you. I'm sorry. I block my own family. I don't care. I am tired of be making you comfortable with your racism. So don't follow me if that's going to be you. But in any other way, if you do want to be proactive, if you do want to sign petitions and stuff, I'm always up to date on that. Um, I just actually signed a petition to um, disallow the use of rubber bullets when it comes to protesting, uh, because those things are, I feel like sometimes way more dangerous than an actual bullet at this point. I've seen some of the people that are protesting getting shot with those. Um, but my Instagram is Ally, A-L-Y underscore, underscore loving, because I am loving to all. Um, so yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm at all the time. Thank you for coming, Daniel. Uh, yeah, well, like I'm more of a, like I said, I'm more of a silent liker and silent blocker. So I'm not gonna confront people for how they feel, but I am gonna feel some certain kind of way. I mean, I've even had to block some old. Remember, around the election time, I even you know blocked some of our old high school teachers <laughs> that I befriended. But um, going forward, I definitely plan to um be more vocal as far as like posting more and bring more awareness the people that follow me and my Instagram is two row ninety two. I mean it's it's very important to to use your voice because I was I, I'm silent. You, yeah. I, I'm not, I I'm not not I'm not usually I'm, in person no one knows everybody knows I'm not silent. But right. <laughs> on social media and stuff like that, you know you wanna be palatable like we've been saying. Right. Because you're looking for jobs, you're trying to do things with your life because you're trying, but you know that you'll be painted with a brush if you do, if you say certain things. So, I mean, I understand every, every form of activism is not for everybody. And, but if you do your own piece, your own thing, maybe you are a liker, maybe you talk about things, maybe you go to protests in incognito, that's probably mm -hmm. fine. Just make sure that you don't allow people to infringe on you. Let people let, talk to people. Have the conversation. It's good to talk about things. You're here talking about this issue, so we know you're you feel passionate about it. This is your humanity. Go ahead, Dan. I'm Jonathan. Yeah, no, the same thing. You know, uh, just keep moving forward. Like you know, like I said, I said before, I'm not really much of a, a social posting type of person because, like, you know, before all this, social media was literally taking over our lives. Um, you know, and I had to take a break from it, but. You know, you, you back on it, you have to be informed with everything that's happening, be educated, and things of that nature. So, you know, I'm glad you guys joined our podcast to just get everyone's views, uh, experiences, and how you guys are feeling at the moment. And we really appreciate you guys coming. And, you know, it's very grateful and, and glad we can hear just everyone's perspective on things right now. Thanks for having us. We enjoyed it. We really yeah, enjoyed thank you it. For, I, I know it. I was a little late to the party, but I appreciate y'all having me on and joining. I had a really good time. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming. We appreciate the everybody had, had I think everybody had such insight. It's great to see people's insight on what on what they experience personally because everybody goes to different things. I know we're all from different places, been different places, different races, everything. So it's important to see that everybody's passionate about this. All kinds of people, everybody has experienced some form of this kind of treatment. We didn't even get into several things like the protests or the president's response 
or um or more personal stories over that we'll have to do it another day but we've already been talking for so long so but <laughs> thank you guys for coming on please follow us at orders up podcast um uh, follow us on instagram at orders up podcast we're also going to try to do a, a youtube channel where we can show this video of this zoom call and um i'll put different things on instagram as well different polls where you guys can answer and respond to and we'd like to thank our special guests for coming anything else you want to add john no, I just hope you guys enjoyed this episode and, you know, keep keep this thing moving forward. Don't let it stop. Oh, yeah. And we hope it starts a dialogue. Make sure you guys, um, we hope it starts a dialogue because that's the most important thing about an issue like this is that we can't do it ourselves. We can't solve this by just saying, like I said, Martin Luther King gave a great speech. But until legislation passed or police listen and understand how we feel, it's not even just police. Like I said, until we see eye to eye and we maybe one day we can get to the point where we can say and mean it i don't see <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right guys thanks for coming all right, all right thank you all right.